Hello, YouTube watchers and podcast listeners. My name is Johnny Dupe, and I welcome you to Movie Change Up, the show where we recast and pitch new versions of movies we love and movies we love to hate, with a little added twist. Today, I'm your host, as well as the judge, jury, and pitch executioner. Before I introduce our combatants, please help us out by subscribing and liking our video on YouTube, as well as giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Now, let's get to the two men competing today. Uh, first is our normal host of the show, the guy and I started the show with, who uh, I believe suffered defeat last week, but I don't remember because I drank. And no, wait, he was the judge because of Catwoman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I win. My name is Joe, and I'm here to crush Alex. Uh, that's what I do. I win, and I'm going to win again. Joe lost to me and then decided he has to pick on a newbie, so Alex yeah. is now... Uh, doing his first pitches. So, Alex, tell us about yourself. Uh, I am Alex. Gibson, <laughs> Everything about yourself. I, uh, yeah, just what do you guys? Blood type? I actually don't even know my blood type. But, if you were if you were uh, an animal, what would you be and why? Alligator. Don't know cool. why. I don't even need a why. Uh, yeah. So I am. Uh, I was incredibly humbled by having to do this and uh, tried to get out of get out of this multiple times because I'm every day me. every day yeah. for the last week every day I was like hey does this person want to do it like mentioning people I went to high school with um, <laughs> these two don't know so looks like we lost Jordan we yeah. don't know Jordan right. we okay and he's back and <laughs> he screwed yeah. up my screen but I'm not gonna fix it so uh <laughs> today we also have uh one of our uh college roommates um Big fan of the Atlanta uh, FC United soccer team. Real big hater of Real Salt Lake. Please introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Jordan Wright. I actually live with Joe Fricky. He is uh, about 15 linear feet away. Uh, thankfully, through a locked door, because when he gives just a terrible, terrible pitch, I can't just flip him off and everybody to see it. So, And he can't attack you. Yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm very hobbly. I'm weak right now. Uh, apparently, I'm not super good at walking and thinking at the same time. So uh, it's difficult. It's difficult. Uh, so I'm ready to go. I've been excited. I've been lobbying Joe to let me have a guest spot on for a while now. So Cool, cool, cool. Did you give him some money? You bribe him? You bring some sponsorship to the show? I did. Uh, so this is con uh, sponsored by Schweppes. <laughs> Great tonic water goes great with my Hendrix gin. There you go. This is perfect for when you know if people actually watch this and we get sued. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, today we're doing ten or uh, sorry nine movies and nine rules like usual. Um, I'm going to list those off for you right now. Uh, they will be listed in the show description so you can follow along as we go um, and see what's what's left and what we what we're, what's coming up. Um, our nine movies today are Batman v Superman, uh, Dawn of Justice from 2016, Dracula from 1931, uh, Drop Dead Fred from 1991, Inception from 2010, Like Mike from 2002, Rush Hour from 1998, Silence of the Lambs from 1991, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990. Um, uh, our, gu our guests can use one rule per, per movie, and our rules today uh, are one movie must include a character made famous by Harrison Ford, one must be a buddy cop movie, one must use the cast of Independence Day, one must be directed and cast with only Razzie Award winners, um, one must be a sports movie, 
One must have a celebrity cameo as him or herself. Uh, one, uh, one movie must, it must be a movie only you would want to watch. So the combatants are pitching movies that only they would want to see. Um, one must include Captain Jack Sparrow. And our final rule, one must be turned into a found footage film. I'm very interested uh, to hear all of those rules put into place and all of your pitches for these movies. So Alex won the little contest before the show starts, so he gets to choose what we're doing and who's going first. All right, uh, let's go with Rush Hour, and uh, I'll have uh, Joe start this off. All right, let me scroll down on my handy-dandy little phone here. And... uh... Alex, you gonna or not, Alex? Johnny, you gonna? I'll read you some uh, a little description of Rush Hour. For those of you who have not seen Rush Hour, it's from 1998. IMDb describes it as a loyal and dedicated Hong Kong inspector teams up with a reckless and loudmouthed LAPD detective to rescue the Chinese consul's kidnapped daughter while trying to arrest a dangerous crime lord along the way. It stars Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker, and I always forget it's directed by Brett Ratner who doesn't make many good movies, but this was one of them. All right, All right let's begin. All right, so uh, Rush Hour. Uh, my director is going to be Luke Greenfield, who directed The Girl Next Door and Let's Be Cops. And I'll say my cast is going to be pretty self-explanatory uh, because I'm using the rule of using a character made famous by Harrison Ford, and the character I chose was Han Solo. So for my reboot of Rush Hour, Han is called to meet with Jabba at Jabba's Palace. Jabba tells Han his son has been kidnapped by the criminal organization Crimson Dawn, and he needs Han to go get him. Jabba says Han is his best pilot. However, he tells him that he will need backup, and when he reaches Coruscant, there will be a Kessel Mine slave waiting for him to act as muscle for this job. Han says he works alone. His last name is Solo for a reason. Jabba says it's non-negotiable. Han gets to the backed-up streets of Coruscant. Waiting for him with guards on either side is a Wookiee named Chewbacca. Han reluctantly lets him on the Falcon, but tells him not to touch anything. Chewbacca sits in the co-pilot seat. Han takes off and tells Chewbacca what buttons to push, but Chewbacca, or, but, yeah, Chewbacca ignores him. Han reiterates, and Chewie ignores him again. Han says to Chewie in his normal slow drawl, Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Chewie gets a different set of buttons, and the Falcon flies faster than ever before. Chewie growls, and Han is scared. Chewie growls and points at a lever, which Han pushes. The overall movie is about Han and Chewie's friendship and their origin story of being a duo. Han learns Chewie understands English. We get, a great fu- we get great fight scenes with Chewie taking out stormtroopers and members of Crimson Dawn. Chewie even saves Han from certain death when Han finds himself in a room full of Mandalorians loyal to Crimson Dawn. They find Jabba's son and put him back on the Falcon. Chewbacca growls and Han pushes the lever and he realizes he understood Chewbacca for the first time. The movie ends with Jabba sending Chewbacca back to the mines on Kessel, but Han intervenes saying any Wookiee can work in the mines, but Chewbacca would would be of better service to Jabba working with Han. Han says he may need muscle in the future, and that is my pitch for Rush Hour, a Star Wars story. All right. Okay. Interesting. A lot of thoughts about that one. Um, Alex, what do you got for me? Yeah. Can I just say before... Uh, earlier in the week, I was like, hey, I'm not sure my pitches are long enough. So Joe sent me like his, his pitches from his last one, and I feel like that was four times longer than any of the ones that you sent me. <laughs> that was that was more like Joe's pitches from like the, the first time we did this. That was my, that's my second one. <laughs> that was a full on, but it's Star Wars, and Joe wrote yes. a whole movie. Okay, so for me, I am uh, obviously doing Rush Hour here. So 
Uh, my director I have is James Rode, who uh, starred in Psych, but he also directed episodes of Psych and uh, directed and wrote some episodes of the Rush Hour TV show. So I am going then with my ins Chief Inspector Lee is Daniel Day Kim, who was in uh, Hawaii Five-0. Uh, my James Carter is Little Rel. Uh, my no need to explain is who that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's in... I believe he was in uh get out get out yeah i, was, I, was, uh, <laughs> I feel like if, if bobby was here he would have because wasn't isn't it bobby that loves uh having jordan peele and everything um That's true. then my sue young is yeah, lana condor time. who was in x-men apocalypse and to all the boys i've loved uh and then my consulate is chow young fat who's from uh crouching tiger hidden dragon pirates of the caribbean at world's end uh and I might as well just get right into my pitch. Uh, so pirates have abducted the Chinese consulate's daughter while she's on her senior cruise. Uh, due to this happening near the US, near the US border, uh, the FBI is taking the lead, but the consulate wants his best man on the job. The FBI, not wanting to deal with him, hires loudmouth LAPD officer James Carter to babysit him, you know, Lee's martial arts friend. So continuing this with the general idea, uh, they end up enlisting the help of Captain Jack Sparrow to help them uh, get get the girl back. So James Carter and Chief Inspector Lee uh, team up with him as they go rogue and try to sail the seas themselves. Uh, Jack ends up helping them find the girl as long as they uh, give him the ship once they find it. Jack does end up leading them to the boat, uh, tries to turn on them multiple times but fails, and Lee and Carter end up saving the girl despite their best efforts. And when I say that, I mean like they kept messing it up. Uh, Sparrow takes over as captain of his ship, sails off into the seas, and then we end the movie. There That's we go. Much. All right, update. I do know who Lil Ray Howery is, and I <laughs> cast and I cast him in one of my movies before. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't recognize him as just Lil Rel. I thought it was like a rapper or something. I was very confused. <laughs> I was like, he was also, yeah, he was also on uh, the the Carmichael show. If yeah. you watch that, yeah, he's he's great. I love him. Um, he's a great. He's he's kind of like that guy that like he's everything he's in. He's like in it the perfect amount. I feel like. Yep, he's the great like side character, funny dude. Um, so here's my biggest question for both of you: the first rush hour is so good because of the back and forth between Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Um, mm -hmm. Alex, tell me why your leads will be like so good in those roles and what kind of interactions they're going to have with Jack Sparrow. And Joe, tell me, is your whole movie still just Chewbacca making his noises and Han Solo being like, yeah. So like, this is something cool, I actually, I understand I, I actually you. was going to point out for Joe's pitch is, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of the thing in rush hour was the banter that they had. I don't want to say it was already a buddy cop movie because there's argument for that. Um, but you can't have the same type of dialogue with Chewbacca and Han that you can resembling the original Rush Hour. Yeah, so Joe, defend your choice. Let's go, yeah, Joe. So basically, Han and Chewie is one of the greatest movie duos of all time. Mm. You, can have Han, you can have Han do all of the dialogue and Chewie play <laughs> off of that and Chewie make noise. And there's going to be other people in the movie, just like there's other people in Rush Hour. There's going to be Han having banner with you know, Stormtroopers. There's going to have Chewie taking out stormtroopers and it's going to make you love Chewie. And so when Chewie growls at, at the fucking Han again, you know, you respect it. All right, Joe, my last question for you, do a Chewbacca noise for me. No. 
Oh, that's going to hurt your pitch. Actually, um, I, have, I have a question for Joe, too, if I may. Yeah, yeah. well, we, let's get to Alex first, and then we'll go back to let's sure. go back to Joe after that. Alex, um, say your question back at you yeah. of your two leads. How are they going to be interacting with Jack Sparrow? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, part of the reason I wanted to have the, the director be James Rode is if you anybody's watched, like, I think uh, the banter in those in that show is uh, pretty good. So mm-hmm. um, I would obviously have his my ideas, his input on that would actually make them a pretty good uh, tandem. In terms of the uh, the interaction with Jack Sparrow, it'd be mostly comic comedic based. Um, I don't think that they would ever really have any like, you know, if you watch the Pirates movies, there's there's those moments where you see like a really human version of Jack and, and between him and Orlando Bloom's character. Um, I wouldn't necessarily have that. It'd be mostly kind of comedic. Um, and then you see all the times that Jack is trying to, you know, backstab the other two, but they just kind of deal with it. Uh, because they want to get to the end result of finding Suyang. Cool. All right. Uh, and uh, Jordan, what was your question you wanted to ask Joe? It wasn't really a question so much as like, I, I feel like Joe didn't uh, abide by the spirit of the rule so much. He changed the entire movie up to something. Yeah, uh, that happens that sometimes. Might not be. Well, I, the rule was insert a Han Solo character, not change the movie to a Han Solo, uh, Han Solo character-centered movie. So I feel like Alex has really played more with – you would recognize Alex's pitch as a Rush Hour movie, whereas you could just call yours Han and, Han and Chewie you know, go out for a drive and nobody would even compare it to Rush Hour. Yeah, but when they see, when they see the dynamic of Han and Chewie, because that was the whole thing of, of uh, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker not understanding each other, and that's the whole premise of my movie is Han and Chewie not understanding each other and learning to understand each other and become friends, and that's the same theme of my movie. And you have the connections of Han saying to Chewie, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? It's a thing that fit in the original Rush Hour, and it definitely fits in my movie. All right. Well, we can argue I, I about think, that later. I but. think. Yeah, I think I got. A, I think I got a decision on. on can this I wait? Can, what, can I not t- attack Alex? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I didn't no, let you no, two not, I'm new. My my whole you thing. Two, yeah, tell me. Tell me my, something. My I don't need to. You're going to have to do a lot of for uh, uh, defending yourself against Alex right now. My whole thing against Alex is you're setting like I feel like it's half modern day, half in the past because you have like FBI agents, but then you also have pirates. Uh, and it's not it doesn't seem like Somali pirates. It seems like 17th century colonial American pirates. And that's just going to be confusing. And it doesn't make sense of like, why is Captain Jack Sparrow as a colonial pirate interacting with modern day FBI agents? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think when I when I was putting this together, I think uh, I was actually imagining kind of more of the Somali pirates are the ones that kid. Right. That well, I just didn't get that vibe because you were talking about I'll- ships. And not yeah, just like yeah, shitty true. fucking yeah, rowboats with a little, fucking little outboard motor attached to it. Yeah, but also, um, you know, just kind of going off. I know that obviously it's kind of solved in in the pirates movies, but there is the immortality side of the pirates movies that are, um, you know, he Can finds I get to that later in, in older ones uh, and things like that. So you could still, I don't think that it necessarily. Um, you can't have a Jack Sparrow in modern day. It doesn't have to be set back into the past. Hmm. Okay. I'm just right. saying that. as far as um, mine, I was gonna say the only pick. thing I was it felt the, like the half thing modern I was, day, half not modern day. Yeah. The only thing I was really gonna or the thing that I was gonna hit hard on was what kind of Jordan talked about with uh with yours. So I don't really have all I'm saying back on. 
is if I keep getting knocked down because I changed the movie up, it's going to be a long day for me. <laughs> no, but I, I just think See, I think I mean, Alex didn't violate the spirit of the rule. He changed one character to Jack Sparrow. You changed the movie entirely to something that doesn't resemble Rush Hour. Yeah, we're okay. I, I think we got we got our our ruling. Um, <laughs> so first of all. Um, I, I agree. I think use of the rule, Alex used it better, even though I am questioning a little how Captain Jack Sparrow fits into his world. At least he just like made a movie and put Jack Sparrow in it, which is more of, you know, the use of the rule than Joe's. If it was rush hour and you just threw in, you know, Han Solo into their interactions, I that's a better use for the rule. But instead he made it he basically made the rule of make a movie only you would want to watch because Joe's the only person I know who liked that solo movie. No, actually, um, I would love to watch Joe's movie for the record. Thank you. So I, I just, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate, you know, a Han Solo space adventure. I feel like you basically did solo, but more in a way that I would have been interested in. But I don't think you really stuck to the spirit of the rule and the spirit of Rush Hour um, as much because I get that, like, the banter is good between them, but you can only do that for so long. You can't have an entire movie of them doing it. That's why in solo, there had to be so many other characters. Um, if it was Lando and Han, I, maybe I would have thought better for you about it. Um, but I think overall I, I liked Alex's better because I'm a huge fan of James Roday. I love psych and I, and I just really liked his cast. So I think cast rule and pitch goes to Alex um, for, for his first point and his first pitch. That's not going to help you on this show. <laughs> <laughs> that will only hinder you. All right. So I got my pick for the next one because I saw where that was going. Um, I think I'm going to go with Kazam. And I'm, I started last. Wait, I, did I? Yeah, I started last. Yeah, time, so started I'll let Alex time. start. I'll let Alex start. All right. Uh, so Kazam. Wait, he's got uh, a, we got oh, a couple yeah. live comments here. Uh, and then uh, the Johnny's got to give his background on Kazam. If you don't know what that yep. amazing piece of cinema is about. <laughs> if you, yeah, if you don't know so that, first of all, Zachary DeFrank says, nice headset, Jordan. <laughs> and then he says, did Joe buy his mic with all that dirty YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Zach was out of jail. So it's nice that he was able to watch us on that live stream. Same. Well, he helped, he helped Joe with all the dirty uh, YouTube money that he was getting from hams from last Fuck week's you, sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Who know you, Zach, but I think you're a very kind person for watching our show. All right. Uh, um, go watch something else. You know what I forgot to do was include Kazam into our list. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, I only read off eight movies. So for anyone who hasn't seen Kazam, it stars <laughs> Shaq as a genie. Um, and that's really all you need to know. It has some rapping in it. Shaq may, wanted to become a rapper when he was uh, playing basketball. So he made this movie and Steel and a couple other, you know, pretty big flops. Um, but this one is a very good, so bad, it's fun to watch type of movie. Um, and the premise could be interesting. It's about basically like a, a poor black kid finds a genie. He was and definitely not black. Yeah, he was not. <laughs> what? I don't remember this movie. <laughs> I don't remember this movie. He was movie. definitely white. Oh, wow. Okay, maybe I haven't seen Kazam. I, <laughs> I combined the plot with something else. So never mind. So it's just a kid who gets a lamp, and he gets bullied. I know it's I remember he gets bullied. 
and he finds, yeah, Boombox and, and Shaq comes out. So, yeah, very flustered because I didn't have anything written for this. So let's <laughs> let's go uh, with your pitches on Kazam. All right. So uh, for Kazam, I ended up choosing the role only a movie, a movie that only you would want to see. Nice. Uh, so my director is. And it's uh, a shot for shot remake. <laughs> with my uh, director this time i'm gonna do it right <laughs> uh my director is jake uh kasdan who did uh bad teacher jumanji welcome to the jungle and uh jumanji next level uh my kazam is Dwayne the rock johnson and uh man i'm gonna mess up this name my max is uh gaten matarazzo who was uh dustin in stranger things I didn't really bother casting too many other people in this. Um, so my pitch goes like this. Max is a teenager that often gets grief from his school bullies. Um, and one day while being chased by them, he stumbles into an old wrestling arena where, and while hiding out, accidentally kicks a boom box that reveals a rapping pro wrestling genie named Kazam. Max is skeptical and thinks Kazam is just some crazy wrestler uh, that is living the gimmick and makes him prove his powers, in which Kazam uh, responds by making it rain donuts. Max and Kazam become friends uh, after that point and continue hanging out in the clubhouse um, that Max wished for when they uncover that Max's, when they then uncover that Max's father, uh, who Max thought died in a car accident, was actually uh, murdered by the local wrestling promoter. In order to get more dirt on this, uh, Kazam enters a wrestling tournament uh, put on by the promoter uh, they then discover that he's been rigging matches for years, and Max's dad was the one who discovered it. Kazam is looking like he'll easily win the tournament when the promoter pulls a Montreal screw job, which, uh, for those not wrestling fans, uh, that was a moment uh, in WWF history where uh, the owner of the WWE or WWF at the time um, of the World Wildlife Foundation, yeah, he made it look like yes, he made it World look Wildlife like. Fun, uh, he made it look like their champion tapped out, um, even though he didn't specifically because he knew the champion was quitting the next day. Um, so uh, he then causes them to lose. Max then uses wishes, wish number two to restart the match. Kazam ends up winning the tournament. And while doing their in-ring celebration, uh, Max slips into the promoter's office, finding the necessary proof documenting the death of his father was in, in fact planned. He gets out. Uh, at the end of the movie, uh, Max uses his final wish to allow Kazam to be free, uh, which he then pursues his professional wrestling career on a grander stage. Uh, just to kind of also mention, so the three wishes that were used uh, with him as a genie were uh, the clubhouse that uh, gets built for him at early on that him and Kazam hang out in, uh, the rematch after the promoter screws him, and then uh, Kazam being free at the end. All right, Joe, All right. what do you got for me? All right, so mine... Definitely it's a different rule because the rule I used is the rule that my director and cast have all won Razzies. <laughs> so, which if you don't know what a Razzie is, it stands for the Golden Raspberry. And it's like a joke thing that goes for like worst director, worst picture, uh, you know, worst actor, worst actress, that whole thing. So anyways, my director is going to be Guy Ritchie, who won a Razzie as director for Swept Away. He knows a thing or two about uh, genie movies. And I will say my... I talked to Johnny about this beforehand and my cast and director, I'm casting them at the time they won their Razzie. So they're, it's not their like present ages. It's the ages they were when they won the Razzie. My max is going to be Jaden Smith who won his Razzie for after earth in 2013. So he's going to be about 15 years old. 
Max's mom is going to be Halle Berry, uh, who won a Razzie for Catwoman. Uh, Max's dad, Nick, is going to be Will Smith, uh, who also won his Razzie for After Earth. And the villain, Malik, is going to be Eddie Murphy, who won his Razzie for Norbit. And my Kazam is going to be Prince, who won his <laughs> Razzie for Under the Cherry Moon in 1986. And so I'm keeping my I'm keeping my movie a musical with Prince writing all of the music for the movie. Uh, Max, a high school student, is running from bullies. He ducks into an old abandoned warehouse and knocks over an old lamp. Smoke from the lamp flows onto an electric guitar. Hidden from the bullies, Max spots the guitar and takes it home. He plugs it into his amp and strums it. A genie named Kazam pops out. Overall plot of my movie is the same. It's about a son reuniting with his music executive father while taking out his father's villainous business partner, Malik. However, at the end of my movie, because as Johnny didn't read, uh, the movie ends with his parents are still separated. But in my movie, uh, uh, the parents get back together. And thanks to a little influence by Kazam. And that's my movie. Because apparently Alex, who complained about how long my pitch was, now that he had a much longer pitch, he wrote yeah. because it was the one he only wanted to watch. So he yeah, it was, really I was had to include, yeah, really wanted to include yeah. the Montreal Screwjob into into a movie. Um, yeah. uh, Jordan, initial initial thoughts on both pitches. I feel like this is a hard rule for anyone, Alex, for you to to make because it almost leads itself to being a not very good movie, especially for someone that's not into wrestling. Um, but I think you did the best with it. I think it would still be on the same level. Like it'd be good. It would be – now, I don't want to say good. It would be enjoyable to certain people. Um, I, I'm not going to pretend like I wouldn't enjoy your movie, especially with you sitting here telling me all the wrestling things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would enjoy watching your movie. Uh, I like Joe's pitch a little bit more. Um, how could you not with an icon like Jay? Yeah. He's so, an icon like living. Jaden Smith, yeah. That was the icon that he cast into his movie, not Prince. Yeah. <laughs> it was all about Jaden Smith. Um Okay, so uh, my first question, Joe, I know it's a Prince musical, um, but is he going to be performing everything more like um, Purple Rain, or is it going to be the Jaden Smith, Will Smith, Halle Berry all singing in it as well as like in Prince-style music? Yeah, Prince is going to be writing the music. Prince, I mean, obviously, he's going to be your main singer, uh, but he's going to write music for, like, Jaden Smith, Will Smith, Halle Berry. Eddie Murphy can sing too. Like that's partially why I cast Eddie Murphy. Uh, but I mean, Prince is obviously going to be your main singer. If you're looking at the soundtrack, he's the lead on most of your songs, but the other people are, are singing as well. It's a full on musical. Okay. By Prince. And, um, and then my question for you, Alex, because I'm going to be honest, I would love to see your movie. I love Jake uh, Kasdan. I love the rock. I, I really like your cast and the dark side of the ring is probably the best thing I watched all quarantine and you included some elements into that. So to me, it sounds like anyone who is interested in wrestling, which there's a lot of people would like to see your movie. How come this is a movie only you would want to see? Yeah, I still think it's a very niche uh, kind of film idea. So, I mean, if you look at at where the world is at with like wrestling right now, like people will, you'll see people that know um, references to it or things like that. But in general, it's kind of getting its lowest viewership it's ever had. Um, you know, there are people who love it, love it, but it seems like there's a lot of people that aren't really into it anymore. So, I mean, I think obviously, obviously there's probably other people that want to see it, but I think that in terms of uh, 
the people that in terms of a movie that is actually super interesting i think you know like jordan said like he's like i'd see it because it sounds like entertaining but i think in terms of like it being a movie that actually the plot interests a lot of people i don't think that there'd be a whole lot of crossover i guess of, of fans in that area They're, like people would probably see it because once again kazam was a movie that was so bad that it was like kind of a cult classic almost and that's kind of mm-hmm. how i feel like this movie would be i know that pitch should be hey this movie will suck but it's kind of like in that same vein okay all right what do you two got to say about uh each other's yeah, i mean i mean i guess like the main thing about mine or about his is obviously like if you don't care about wrestling you don't care about this movie but that also plays into his rule of i just don't know how much of like rapping rock i want to watch but like everything negative like that's the hard part about arguing against that rule is yeah. anything negative i say about that movie he could be like well i want to watch that and then it just plays into his hand so really well, yeah exactly like, honestly alex your move who the rock is the number one number one movie star on the planet so you, for you to say this is a movie only i want to watch and then you cast the biggest movie star on the planet makes the movie have a lot more mass appeal look at fighting with my family what's a movie they marketed around the rock even though he's in it for a minute and a half yeah but i i guess for me i'm not saying that nobody would see the movie i just think that it's it's not a movie anybody's asking for that's the way i interpret this rule like it's not a movie that like because i I mean no one's asking for my movie either because no one's asking for a reboot of kazam (laughs) Uh, a uh, prince, prince plays a genie. I would love a, I would love a Kazam reboot, but I mean, I think that that it it's still a very like I said, it's a very niche thing. Like, even though yes, The Rock is in it, but I mean, you could you could make that argument about anybody that I put in the movie. Like, there's gonna if I would have made it about because Kazam's gonna have a star in it. Like, the first one starred Shaq. I'm not gonna be like, but oh, if, it's gonna I, just be some random guy. You know what I mean? But to me, if I was to like make a movie, if I if I were to take that rule and be like, hey. I'm going to make a version of Kazam that only I like. I would cast like someone like Bill Murray. That's, you know, could be a good Kazam, but he's not going to like, he's not going to, that's not going to be a hundred million dollar opening weekend movie. I still feel like with you, with the rock as Kazam is still could potentially be have a hundred million dollar opening weekend. All right. I I think, I think think getting into when, and maybe I'm, I mean, you guys came up with the show, but I think when we're, when you start getting into like, this could make a lot of money. Well, I'm not saying I'm not for any other pitch. I I don't care about the money. I'm just saying for when your rule is make a movie only you would want to see. And then you cast the biggest superstar on the planet. It, it, I don't know if that's a movie only you would want to see this, I guess my point. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I think I I I have my ruling on this. I just want to say, you can go back and forth. It's just a rule that to me is kind of like, naturally there's going to be other people that want to see the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's just in terms of, you know, it's a very specific group of people that are going to be like, fuck. Yeah. That's, that sounds like my kind of movie. Yeah. Okay. All right. So for, um, I'll get, I'll get into my ruling. Joe or uh, Jordan kind of got into who he was leaning with after the arguments. Are you swayed? Who do you, who do would you lean towards? I still got to give this one to Joe. Hell yeah, you do. I pay a third of your rent. (laughs) (laughs) That is notwithstanding. Don't worry. (laughs) Luckily none of them pay my rent. So I'm not biased here. But um, I will say this. I really, really love both pitches. I would go see both of them. A Prince musical where he's a genie sounds amazing. It sounds kind of like him like mistressly. I just mixed both words twice. But like <laughs> basically him magically popping up and 
being like the voice of reason and doing music is kind of like his episode of new girl, which is probably my favorite episode of that show. Um, which thank you, Alex, you turned me on to that show in the first place. Um, and then, you know, for, for use of rule, I'm going to give it to Joe because I agree. I think Alex just used too big of stars for his to be like only a movie he would want to see. Um, Cast, I do like Alex's cast, so I'm going to give that to him, even though I like well, his Prince, didn't win like Razzie, Jane, Jane. So. Yeah, I know. I, I get that, but like, I, I wish yours was a little bit more mixed in terms of um, just people who won Razzies. I would have been more interested if it was like, instead of Jaden Smith and Will Smith, Jaden Smith and like Sylvester Stallone or some crazy choice because he well, liked I mean, to get into music like Razzies and also could sing. So I was very yeah, limited. So, so I, I get that. But then, and also um, I don't think Will, uh, Sylvester Stallone could convincingly play Jaden Smith's father and there's only one child <laughs> actor who's won a Razzie. So I was very limited in my choices. <laughs> okay, oh, so there's a, there was a girl in like 1979. The Razzie started in out. the 80s, but sure. Then it, then he like, could have been, like could have been adopted. Year. She won it like the first year. Okay, but anyway, so so going back to it, here's here's my issue. I really, really loved both pitches. And that's where the problem is because Alex's movie was to make a movie only he would want to see. And I think his does have too much mass appeal because it has a big director and The Rock. And that, I think, everyone would want to go see The Rock in anything he's doing. Alex, if you had maybe done... Even if you left Jake Kasdan in, but cast Kazam as like Braun Strowman or a wrestler that yeah. maybe people don't really know as much, then I would have been like, okay, like you kind of, it's more of a technicality, but I think The Rock being in a movie brings, it doesn't matter what the movie is about. Like fighting with my family wasn't a huge hit, but it still made a profit because it was sold around The Rock produced this. Every advertisement yeah. you saw for that movie involved him. So any movie you throw him into is not going to be a movie just for you because it's going to be for all the rock fans as well as, um, uh, you know, wrestling fans. So, so Joe, I'm going to go with you on this one and Hell we yeah. are going to tie up because I want to see uh, Prince RIP as a, as a genie. And I got to edit the score. So much purple smoke in that movie. Uh, all I, purple smoke. That, I wrote I an entire it. pitch and it was like a page and a half long. And I'm like, I'm just going to delete this and be like, it's a Prince musical. Good all enough. you need to do is say it's a Prince musical and I'm on board. Purple yeah, rain. Honestly, that's, one was, my, that's one of my favorites. I was kind of glad that uh, Johnny just cut us off before I even got a chance to rip on Joe's. Cause I actually really like the idea too. So yeah. Before yeah I, could, I mean, before, it's, it's before. always a problem when you like the other person's pitch and you're just like, I don't know what to focus on. I have to pick like one little small detail. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but f- before I decided to make it a full-on musical, because I was debating on getting rid of the rapping, my choices of who to play Kazam were Prince, Eddie Murphy, or Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, God. <laughs> <Dice>. <laughs> you should have de-aged Nicolas Cage. You could have de-aged Nicolas Cage, and you would have won. It would have been yeah, great. It would have been a great callback. So, All right. So, um, Alex. So, Alex, you lost uh, that point. So, what movie are we doing next? And who's starting? Uh, let's go with Silence of the Lambs. Oh God! Why? And, All right, uh, I will. Uh, I will start it. Okay, Thank let God. me read my description that I actually have written out for this movie. Um, Silence of the Lambs is from 1991. It won Best Picture. Um, it was directed by Jonathan Demme, R.I.P. And uh, Joe, it starred Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins. It's about a young FBI cadet played by uh, um, Jodie Foster. She uh, must receive the help of an incarcerated and manipulative cannibal killer to help catch another serial killer, a madman who skins his victims. 
Um, it's one of the greatest movies ever made, and it won Best Picture, deservedly so, even though I'm pretty sure Drop Dead Fred came out that year as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't think that was in contention, but maybe it could have been. We'll see how your pitches My go. version might have been. Yeah, we'll see. So uh, let's uh, let's start with your guys' pitches. Um, yeah, so for me, um, you, you just kind of mentioned how it's one of the greatest films ever. It's a movie that I didn't really want to mess with. Um, and so I honestly didn't change anything about the plot. Uh, I decided to go with making my rule. Um, one must include the cast of Independence Day. So, interesting. <laughs> uh, first of all, very sad to take Anthony Hopkins out of this movie, but uh, my Hannibal Lecter is Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> my Buffalo Bill is Randy Quaid. <laughs> my Clarice Sterling is Vivica A. Fox. Uh, my Jack Crawford is Will Smith and uh, Dr. Chilton is uh, Bill Pullman. And just uh, while you're considering this pitch, just imagine uh, Randy Quaid doing the kind of Buffalo Bill pose that is so famous. <laughs> and Jeff Goldblum talking about, talking about Chianti and doing those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Uh, did you say who your director was? I don't know if it really matters. Oh, I, 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 mean, I, I assumed it was the... Yeah, let's just go with, yeah, I'm assuming Roland Emmerich is making this yeah, movie. Yeah, that's, that's who I had because I assumed that we had to. Yeah, that's what I did when I used this rule as well. So. Okay. All right, so we'll go with that. That's what I was wondering on it. All right, um, so Joe, let's hear Let's hear your. Uh, oh, is that all? He didn't. He, okay. You're just, I literally, just yeah, I literally have a I love the movie, so why would I change anything? All right, so mine, I, my director is going to be Mike Flanagan, who directed Hush, Gerald's Game, Dr. Sleep, and he was the showrunner on uh, Hunting of Hill House on Netflix. And I'll just say right now, the rule I use is I made this a buddy cop movie uh, because my Clarice Smith is Dakota Fanning, and my Jane Starling is uh, Carlo Gugino, who was in Watchmen. She was the mom in Spy Kids. She was also in Haunting of Hill House. My Dr. Hannibal Lecter is Rafe Fiennes, and my Buffalo Bill is Ewan McGregor. Uh, I said, the first one is great, so I didn't want to do the exact same movie with a new cast. I wrote that down before Alex even gave his pitch, <laughs> uh, because it, it will always be the lesser version. Uh, the first one is mostly a thriller with the only one full with only one full-on horrifying scene, which is the night vision scene. I decided to make my movie a full horror movie, and I split up the role of Clary Starling into two roles because, hey, I had to put the rule of uh, making it a buddy cat movie somewhere. Uh, it's the story of a rookie FBI agent played by Dakota Fanning and a senior agent played by Carla Gugino working together to take out the serial killer Buffalo Bill with the help of a cannibal psychiatrist named Hannibal Lecter. Uh, the big twist in my cat and mouse movie is the case becomes personal for Dakota Fanning's character when halfway through the movie, Carla Gugino's character is kidnapped by Buffalo Bill and hidden in a well. Uh, Dakota Fanning's character is forced to talk to Hannibal Lecter for the first time when previously she wouldn't even enter the facility he was in and let Carla Gugino's character do all the work. And that's that's what I have because it's Silence of the Lambs and one best picture. I'm not out here trying to fucking completely change it, yeah. All right, Jordan, initial thoughts. Man, uh, this is a tough one for me because I don't know if I really like either of your guys' pitches. I'm not going to pretend like I could do do a lot better. Um, but, Joe's your, yours confuses me. Um, I want to make sure I heard you right. You said it's going to be a buddy cop movie but also a full horror movie. 
Yeah, I mean, you got like end of watch. As long as they're friends, they're buddy cops. That's the thing. It's an older senior agent who's friends with a younger rookie FBI agent. Just, I mean, end of watch is not a comedy, and that's. All right, I'm just having a tough time visualizing it. I don't know if it's the gin or just your pitch, but um, maybe a little column A, a little column B. Wait, Alex, the, the rule, uh, wait one second. The rule as it was sent was that it needs to be a buddy cop comedy. But then we, I, it we, was corrected as movie, I think, in the group chat. But was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was just movie. It was just sent out wrong. So I'm not going to fault you if you make yours a comedy. But it did not have yeah. to be. Um, which that would have made, that that made the one that I used way easier. <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes when we get to it. Um, and then Alex, I mean, when it came to yours. Oh, go ahead, Johnny. No, 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 you go. Uh, when it came to yours, Alex, uh, I am really, really struggling seeing Goldblum as Hannibal Lecter for some because that's what you went with, right? Yeah, and the reason okay, for that is because true. I think it completely seems like something that he wouldn't ever play. Um, no, so you're was, right. You're 100 percent right. Uh, I almost feel like yours would be a better Rule Seven, which is which you already used, which is one must you only want to watch, or better as Rule Four because it. Might win a Razzie. <laughs> yeah. Burn. Um, <laughs> I can burn notice over there, Alex. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Here, here's my initial thoughts and kind of a question for each of you. Um, Alex, is yours like a straight-up shot-for-shot remake with this same cast? As you said, you're not changing really anything about it. Pretty much, yeah. I mean – Scene for like there's there might be a little bit of difference in um, so minor tweaks, but not yeah, yeah not, minor, not but like nothing that's going to change the movie really from what it is. Okay, all right. Um, and Joe, Mike Flanagan is good at horror, but can he pull off like the kind of like body cop type type of uh, storyline? I mean, yeah, you have like the opening scene of Hush which you've seen, I think, of like the two, the his wife's character, who's like the deaf writer and her friend and like their interactions as friends. Mm-hmm. And we've seen interactions of like two single characters in this movie before, like Ewan McGregor and the girl in Make Sleep. Cool. All right. Um, you two hash it out. Yeah, I feel like yours just shot for shot remake. Like I could see Jeff Goldblum as Hannibal Lecter and maybe like an SNL sketch, but I don't know if I could watch it. Like unlike Jordan, I can see Jeff Goldblum as Hannibal Lecter, but only in a comedy. I couldn't take Jeff Goldblum as Hannibal Lecter seriously. Yeah, I mean, I think that part of what interested me, like, I mean, first of all, I won't lie, I was kind of back into a corner with, I had to use this rule and it just didn't apply, <laughs> you know, into the other areas that I had. But I, I also do think, though, that I think that's part of what's intriguing is the idea of um, Jeff Goldblum playing that that role, um, as well as even Randy Quaid, knowing how crazy he is, he kind of feels like he could be a Buffalo Bill nowadays. So yeah. um, he might be. He's not going to have to stretch much to get that character uh, uh, down. But um, yeah, so that's kind of yeah, my defense on that. I guess my other negative, too, is like, Roland Emmerich as your director, I feel like he's a bit more of like an effects director and we're not needing a whole lot of special effects for Silence of the Lambs. So I don't know how he's good at like just character work and act working with actors. Yeah. I kind of consider that more of just a, um, like I said, I, I just kind of assumed we had to use the director. Yeah, I get that. Um, I mean, I did the but, same thing too, but yeah. And then it's not really as, all uh, I have. Yeah. I mean, on, 
on yours, I do think it's, uh, do you think, you, I feel like you're changing the tone a little bit too much. I feel like you have to, if I'm not changing it, why am I remaking silence of the lambs? If I'm not doing something different with it, if I'm just shot for shot, remaking silence of the lambs, just put on silence of the lambs. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, I think I got my, my, uh, decision for these two, Jordan, you got anything else to add about these? No, this was, this was a tough one for me. So, okay. Um, here's my thing. I, I liked, um, Alex, you used your rule well because I love – I wouldn't change any of the casting that you did. I could totally see Jeff Goldblum playing um, Hannibal Lecter because I think he's capable of that. And Hannibal Lecter is this, oh, I'm a crazy person, but I'm like this elegant speaking dude. So I feel like Jeff Goldblum can like do all the same lines and also when he bites a dude's face off, like I want to see Jeff Goldblum do that. Um, and I, and, and Randy Quaid, like you said, I, as soon as you said you were using the cast of Randy or of, uh, independence day, I was like, Randy Quaid better be Buffalo Bill. So you did that. I, so I liked how you matched it up. Um, but Joe, I, Mike Flanagan, you're right. I really like hush and you turned me on to, um, what was the, uh, Dr. shining Sleep. remake called yeah. Dr. Sleep. And I, and cool? I, enjoy, and I really, really enjoyed that. Um, so I, I totally get his I'm, I asked you that question because I specifically wanted you to bring up Dr. Sleep in terms of two characters interacting because that's more of the style of um, you know buddy cop type uh, characters that I'm expecting from a, a Mike Flanagan movie um, and as far as pitches go I think Alex you had a shot at this you said you backed yourself into a corner but the problem is you didn't try to do anything with it if you really did um, Make this a tongue-in-cheek, you know, like kind of uh, more of a sarcastic comedy take on Science of Lambs with your cast. I would have been totally down. You're hindered a little because it's Roland Emmerich, but Joe might suffer from the same problem. But with your cast, I think they could be really good just playing off each other in more of a, um, you know, different type of of style and more comedic, but you made it too similar to the original. And Joe, I liked that you embraced what's probably the best, one of the best horror scenes ever made in a movie. That's not super scary. Um, and you basically just were like, Hey, the night vision scene, I'm going to expand that and make that. And I'm going to embrace that. So Joe, I'm going to go with you uh, on silence of the lambs. Fucking a right. So that puts Joe up to one. All right, I'm going to speed pee really quick bin. while Alex picks his next movie and you read whatever the description is. All right, perfect. Alex, what do we got next? Let's go TMNT. Hell yeah. Alex likes this pitch. I've been waiting for this one. I love that we had that Joe had to redo his pitch today because I said that I thought about doing that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. So, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, there was no good description that I could find in IMDb, so I wrote one. It's um, from – what did we lose, everybody? Oh, well, Joe is gone. Okay. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, from 1990. If you haven't seen it – let me get Jordan back in here real quick. All right. Jordan's Sorry, back. Um Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's four turtles. They're exposed to toxic waste in a sewer, turns them into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're basically giant mutant ninja turtles, pretty much right in the name. They must protect New York City from the evil Shredder. 
Um, it starred Judith Hogue and Corey Feldman and a talking rat. Pretty sure that was real rat. Um, and it was directed by Steve Barron, who I don't know what the hell else he did, but he'd made this movie. So congrats to him. Um, the first one is kind of a cult classic. Secret of the Ooze was a was a disaster of a movie, and the Michael Bay ones were shit. So, and uh, I'm really excited to see what you guys. Uh, I was going to say, are you just not going to mention the third one, uh, Turtles in Time? Uh, no. Were they time travel? I'm, I I remember that movie from when I was a kid, but I feel like it. I feel like I thought it was like a pigment of my imagination. Like I did not a pigment. Realize. Yeah, whatever I said. Whatever. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's right. I'm going to stick with that. Not fragment. We're going with pigment. Um, and uh, who's who's starting on this one, Alex? Uh, Joe. Right. Joe, let's hear your TMNT, baby. All right. So I'm going to just say uh, my director is going to be Travis Knight, who directed uh, Bumblebee. He also directed Kubo and the Two Strings. But I mainly want to stick with that tone of Bumblebee. Uh, my cast for M- Michelangelo is going to be Pete Davidson. For Raphael, it's going to be Channing Tatum. My Donatello is Jonah Hill. My Leonardo is going to be Oscar Isaac for Shredder. I have Lee Byung-hung, who is in I Saw the Devil, and he was also in G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. For my Casey Jones, I have Wyatt Russell, who is in 22 Jump Street, Overlord. He was also in an episode of Black Mirror. He's also the son of Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Uh, My Splinter is Jackie Chan, and my April O'Neil is uh, Haley Steinfeld, who's a recording artist, and she was also in uh, Bumblebee as the lead. And so for my pitch, at the opening of the new stadium for the minor league hockey team, the Central Park Samurai, a Japanese elder in the area gifts the team owner a large jade crystal. The crystal serves as a symbol for the symbiotic relationship between the team and the Japanese community. At the ceremony is the team's captain, Casey Jones. The ceremony is interrupted by Shredder and the Foot Clan who steal the jade crystal. The jewel is said to bring unforeseen power to whoever possesses it. April O'Neil, a journalist at the arena's opening, calls her friends the Turtles. They try to stop Shredder, but are too late. Casey Jones blames the Turtles for letting Shredder get away. A lot of the movie focuses on Casey Jones and the hockey team during their inaugural season because that's the rule I am using. I am making this a sports movie. The movie also focuses on the Turtles' search for Shredder and the Jade Crystal. At one point, while looking for evidence at the arena, the Turtles see Casey Jones' little brother, who serves as equipment manager, being attacked by a group of muggers, and they save him. Casey reluctantly thanks them. Eventually, the Turtles find Shredder and the Crystal, but it's during the Cup Finals, which the Central Park Samurai are in. The game is tied going into the third period. Casey sees this on the TV, the Turtles fighting Shredder and the Foot Clan. The Turtles aren't winning. Casey grabs his mask, his stick, and a bag of pucks and goes to fight. Goes to the fight a few blocks over. He gives the turtles just enough of an edge to win the fight, and the crystal is returned. And that is my pitch that I wrote in five minutes because I'm like Alex has probably been dreaming of writing this movie for the last twenty years, so I'm not going to put effort into. This. I'm not going to lie. I I am interested in Joe's pitch. So uh, Alex, tell me tell me what your uh, yeah what your movie is. Yeah. So I um. I think people will be a little well, they'll, they'll be a little surprised that mine is actually very similar to the '90s movies. I think you can just change a little bit around um, the way it's presented, the tone. Um, I want to put, present even the turtles kind of more similar to how they were in those movies than uh, in the Michael Bay ones. The Michael Bay ones, they just they didn't look like steroid they, they turtles, look, looked, baby. Yeah, they looked like yeah uh, steroid monsters. And um, so I am going with um, my cast is Leonardo is uh, John Cena. 
who uh, you may you all may know from wrestling uh, or uh, some other movies, but I can't think of any of them right now. Blockers. Um, Blockers. Is and then my Michelangelo is uh, Jim Brewer, uh, who was right. in Half Baked. My Raphael is John Krasinski from The Office. My Donatello is uh, Dave Bautista from My Spy. Uh, my <laughs> April O'Neil is uh, Aubrey Plaza from Parks and Rec. My Casey Jones is Aaron Paul. My Shredder is, oh, and he's from Breaking Bad. Uh, my Shredder is Ken Watanabe, who's in Inception. Uh, my Splinter is actually, I'm keeping the same guy, Kevin Clash. Um, he does voices on Sesame Street still. Um, and then also I decided to cast uh, in the uh, in the comics, um, Michelangelo has a pet cat. So Ferguson, uh, the cat from New Girl, will be playing that cat. <laughs> um, so, like I said, not a lot, not a lot changes. It's just a little bit more closer to the comics. So, in the comics, I think one of, in the first ten, there's a Leonardo uh, miniseries, and this is kind of based off of that. So, um, the opening scene just shows a few comic strips that kind of show the creation of the Eternals. So we can skip the whole idea of an origin story. Um, I don't think. I think the worst part about every, you know, kind of superhero story is that we have to see the origin every time. So um, kind of doing it a little bit like uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, but then the story opens up with Leonardo alone on the rooftops of New York City. Um, we we quickly find out that he's being pursued by numerous foot soldiers. Uh, Leo battles uh, countless foes as he tries to make it safely uh, back home. Meanwhile, his brothers are all out eating pizza and watching April O'Neil or at, are at April O'Neil's apartment and watching her on the five o'clock news as she's doing her biggest interview yet, speaking with Elton John, uh, played by Elton John. So that is my uh, celebrity cameo as uh, for my rule about his farewell tour while they decorate for Christmas. Uh, Raphael starts getting worried and convinces the guys that it's time to go look for Leo. Leo's fighting off the foot more and more um, as he makes his way towards the apartment. Um, but more of them keep showing up and Shredder makes his first appearance. As the turtles are heading out to go look for him, Leo comes crashing through the apartment with the foot not far behind. As the turtles retreat through the apartment complex, Casey Jones appears to, appears to assist. Uh, and Casey is kind of, they already are friends with him at this point, so there's not like the whole, he just weirdly got in a fight with Raphael earlier in the movie and now he's their friend. Um, Together, they fend off the attacks in the foot retreat, but they realize uh, once they're gathering everything back together, Splinter is missing. The foot swiped him in during their fight. The boys rejoin with uh, April and go to her family cottage to hide out and plan to get, make their plan to get Splinter back. Upon their return, they fight the foot again, this time defeating the Shredder and the Foot Clan in time to, to save Splinter. All right. Yeah. All right, uh, Jordan, initial thoughts on the, on the pitches? Uh, Alex, I love how much you love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. If anyone could write, direct, produce, executive produce, do the sound mixing and display the costumes for it another, it, it would be Alexander Day Gibson. Because don't I could do, you were smiling. Oh, sorry. Don't, don't we'll, give that we'll We're that. off the grid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, I mean, you were literally smiling during your pitch. I want to see your movie so bad, not because Maya. I even like the Mutant Ninja Turtles, but because you want it to be teenage made so bad. Mutant Ninja Turtles. That, um, teenagers. So That's a big so part sorry. of Mikey's character. 
So anyway, that's that's what I was thinking about Alex's is I just I would all around love to see it because I, I would believe he put so much into it that there's no way I wouldn't enjoy it. Uh, uh, Joe, I actually I like yours, too. I really do. Um, it's a different take on it. Um, I feel like it, it fits in the category of of uh, sports movies, teenagers, happy go lucky, kind of feel good. But I mean, a real type of movie that also would interest people of a different age group and demographic as well. Um, this one is a, a tough one, but for all the good reasons, but, uh, I'm leaning Alex on this one because I trust him to make the movie so much. Okay. Um, my question is more so both of you tell me more of like your, your tone, like Joe, yours is a sports movie. It seems a little all over the place with the cast. I need to know what kind of tone you're going for. And Alex, kind of same thing with, uh, is yours like tone wise, is it more of dry humor, turtles quipping, or is it kind of cheesy humor like the 90s version of it? So, Joe, yeah. you, you tell me first. Yeah, I'll start. Um, mine's more of like a comedy with heart. Like a lot of, I don't know if you've seen Bumblebee, but basically it's a lot going to be a lot like Bumblebee because I think that's what works best. I feel like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you need to either go that route or go like the super hard R like the original comics. But And I'll also add the reason I cast Wyatt Russell as Casey Jones is he was a college hockey player. He was a semi-professional hockey player, so he can do a lot of the hockey stuff himself without like a stunt double, and that gives you more range of things to do. But yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Okay. Yeah, and and, uh, yeah. For mine, I think what I would be looking at more, uh, more kind of that dry, quippy humor rather than the cheesiness of the '90s one. I want to keep aspects of the '90s Turtles because those are they're they're terrible movies, but great movies. I mean, the first one's not terrible, but you know, I mean, they're not great films because they are a little mm-hmm. cheesy i want this to actually be a good movie i don't want it to be serious though um like i don't i know a lot of you know you see all these superhero movies or whatever that come out there um the tone is almost too serious it's too dark I, i'm not looking for that i'm just looking to make it a little bit more in that direction but still mm-hmm. keep the same um lightheartedness of the turtles okay um, and then my other thing, just tell me both before you start attacking each other, start with how your turtles look, because Alex keeps saying this is like the nineties are yours literal, like the death suits that they wore in the first ones that every actor almost died or are they CGI? <laughs> yeah, it's for me, it's CGI, but with that kind of look in frame to where it's, okay. you know, just, it makes more sense rather than those. Like, so they look more like yeah. a CGI version of like the cartoon animated show. Yeah. turtles not like the roided up rip dudes and joe same thing kind of yeah, mine's more like i mean i don't want to say realistic mine's kind of like mine's like what what alex said if they look more like the 90s but it looks like realistic not okay. that like his might look realistic too i'm just saying like it looks like oh those are actually like things that could exist where it's cgi but they look real i don't know if that yeah. makes sense at all nothing more realistic than teenage mutant ninja turtles all right both yeah. of you attack <laughs> each other so yeah, I mean, uh yeah, if I, I'll start real quick. Um, so with yours, yours are playing hockey. Um, it like the whole thing with like that Splinter's teaching them in, in multiple uh, movies is like the art of being a ninja and not being seen. 
if they're playing like sports. no mine my my mine don't play hockey mine's a sports movie because you have casey jones mine i would describe more as like a casey jones quote-unquote origin story of it's his story of working with the turtles for the first time of like so my turtles don't play hockey at all okay i guess I mean, maybe like behind the scenes maybe like a little bit but they're not like up front in your face like in an arena playing hockey mine is gotcha. my hockey is Casey Jones is playing hockey and it's him sacrificing potentially winning the championship to go help the turtles. That's where gotcha, the hockey okay. comes in. Gotcha. I misunderstood part of your pitch though. Yeah. What did Am you I have think- to attack? It's hard to attack yours because it's like, you know, Ninja Turtles way more than I do. It'd be like if I wrote a Batman pitch and you're like, ah, fuck your Batman. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. fuck your Batman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's like, what am I going to say? Mine is, I was just like, kind of overall. What was your, oh, my thing against yours is as far as the rule goes, is I feel like you could have put any celebrity, any in ever existence in that same spot, and it doesn't change anything. It's just April, like, yours could almost end up as a deleted scene, your rule of like April O'Neill interviewing Elton oh. John. Yeah, no, I mean, there is, I'll, I'll, openly admit there's no real consequence of Elton John um, being in it or why I chose him. I, yeah. You're just like, he's famous. He yeah. just made a movie. About I, it, could, it literally could have been any celebrity in your scene might not even make the finished movie. Yeah. I mean, and, I mean, to be, to not, hopefully this doesn't hurt me too much in the judgment, but I mean, to be honest, I looked at that rule and saw it as an opportunity to make this the movie I want to make um, without having to um, really screw around with it and you know try to make it a sports movie or try, try to make it anything like that because this is the turtles movie that i do want to yeah. see or that I and, it, and it's that a I cameo i'm not i won't spoil how that might affect my judging but i don't blame you for the way you used it because you wanted to make the movie you wanted to make so i understand yeah. i understand your use of the rule at least um all right um other than that, do you guys have anything else to say about each other's movies? No, I, not I, really. I mean, it's hard to no, attack. I mean, his I'll, I'll be honest. Movie. I'll be honest. When he said sports movie, if you go back and watch this later, you're going to see me go. But yeah, I think you pulled it off for a sports movie pretty, pretty, pretty well because yeah. I was really annoyed at the idea. You're attacking I know, I'm just him. Saying, <laughs> I, no, I'll get to that. I think you pulled it off. <laughs> <laughs> I think you pulled it off. <laughs> pretty well for a sports movie but i just don't really see how it ties into anything about like like when you have like something like turtles or any of those things like you have like a base to use when you have like the comics and things like that and this is i didn't read a comic i said alex is gonna win this point probably so i'm gonna spend five minutes on this pitch and spend the rest of my time on my other pitches (laughs) this is basically like the catwoman ruling if i was just like joe wins (laughs) the hardest The hardest work I spent on this pitch is finding something that has starts with the same sound as fucking Central Park or finding I spent more time creating the name Central Park Samurai for my hockey team than I spent on the rest of my total pitch. There. Take that into account, Johnny. <laughs> Thank you. I, I I respect the name. It involves, you know, martial arts in a in a fashion, I guess. Samurai don't really do martial arts, but they it's Asian so culture. It's Japanese, so, sure. so that's what I was going yeah, for. There you go. All right, here's here's uh, my thing. I think Jordan <laughs> knows. Jordan Jordan chose Alex. We know that. My my thing is this, Joe. You, I um, I like your director. If they made a TMNT movie now, Travis Knight is absolutely the right choice. Make his tone of Bumblebee, but in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles works one hundred percent. 
Um, he's a great choice for the director. I like your cast. I feel like every week we just shoe in Oscar Isaac into a random role. I don't think he fit into your cast. Everyone else I liked. Um, but I, I also, if you're going to ca- make this a hockey movie and cast Casey Jones, it should have been the lead from um, Letter Kenny. He should have been your, your Casey Jones. <laughs> oh, so I would have been, been way hockey player. Yeah, but I don't know if you've seen the hockey in Letterkenny, but it's good. And Wyatt Russell was a horseshit in the only movie I've ever basically seen him in, which was that bad movie we watched. Overlord. Together. You didn't see 22 Overlord. Jump Street? Yeah, I don't remember him in that. He was wait, like Wait, the- is he the other football player? Yeah, he's like the he's the quarterback on 22 Jump Street. Okay. All right. Then uh all right, respect <laughs> to Wyatt Russell a little bit more, but I feel like him as Casey Jones is a straight man. He wouldn't be like the character in 22 Jump Street. Alex, I liked your pitch up until Kevin Clash's Splinter. That's problematic in, in a few ways. I don't know if you know much about Kevin Clash, but first of all, that's super like um, problematic in the original one that it's this like American dude doing like basically stereotypical Asian accent in Splinter. So get him out of there. Um, and he was accused of multiple times of sexual assault and he owes like $150,000 to like Citibank or something like that for spending a bunch of money on his like credit card. So that's a problem. Um, yes. that, that I felt like you could have researched a little more based on all the other amount. Of I didn't, stuff you I, yeah, I didn't there. background check. Yeah. You didn't do a background check and you were just like, yeah, I'll cast this American dude as uh, this Asian character and he'll do that same weird, like stereotypical voice. But other than that, Alex, I liked your pitch. I agree. Joe used – I would say Joe used his rule better because you didn't really use your rule. But the rule is only use it as a cameo, so technically you used it. And Joe didn't make his that much of a sports movie because he basically says Casey Jones has to abandon his game and go help the Turtles. It should have been – I would have been super into Joe's movie if he was like Casey Jones recruits the Turtles to be on the Samurai team – and they have but that to goes against what Alex said. There's yeah. there's five I, I positions. Would you would hate that, but I'd be more into it. There's five positions in, uh, in hockey. It'd be Casey Jones and then the four turtles. You were set up perfectly for it, and you would have at least incorporated your rule better because it would have been more focused around sports. Your movie seems too much of some sports, some turtles. Also, Casey Jones may be a controversial take, but – the shittiest worst character in Ninja Turtles and you focused on him as your main character. I don't know if Alex agrees with me because he's Ooh. more of a fan, but I think he's the worst character in Ninja Turtles and the least interesting character in Ninja Turtles. So I give this point to Alex. All right. Hot boom, take. I boom, knew I was probably boom, losing boom. this pit. So I just put all my movies and rules together and whatever TMNT ended up with TMNT ended up with, and it ended up with, uh, <laughs> Joe just like rolled it. Yeah. He was like, I'm rolling the dice. I almost made this a karate movie, and I'm like, that's too easy. So I made it a hockey movie. I would have liked the Turtles playing sports. I think think that could have been fun, but you went the other way with it. Yeah. So, all right, Joe. It's two to two. Alex, you're doing great on your first episode, but you've passed your maybe your uh, go-to movie. So what are we doing next, uh, Joe? Yeah. All right. Let's get. I'm. I've been drinking beers. So let's get fucking weird. I'm gonna go like Mike. Oh, I'll, I'll go for it for this one as well. <laughs> All right, like Mike. It is from 2002. It is about a 14 year old orphan 
uh, played by uh, Lil Bow Wow, a.k.a. Shad Moss. Uh, he becomes an NBA superstar after trying on a pair of sneakers with the faded initials MJ inside. He's directed by John Schultz. Don't know who he is. Yeah. All right. So really all you need to know. All right. So for my uh, cast, uh, for Calvin, originally played by Bow Wow, it's going to be Ty Sheridan. He was in uh, Mud. He was also the star of Ready Player One. For my Murph, originally played by Jonathan Lipnicki, is now going to be John Boyega, who is a fan in Star Wars. Uh, for my Reg, originally played by Brenda Song, is now going to be Selena Gomez. And uh, fuck you. Uh, um, for my Ox, originally played by Jesse Plemons, is now still going to be played by Jesse Plemons, who was in uh, Friday Night Lights TV show. He was in Breaking Bad. And he, he was, was also game in night, baby. Yeah, he was in Game Night. He was also in uh, Like Mike. So for my movie, three USC film students at the bottom of their class just got an F on a film project. While walking around a Hollywood prop studio, they find an old film camera. An old worker tells them that the camera is busted. It was used on the set of The Rock, but was struck by lightning in the middle of shooting. Calvin, no, no, a big, no, <laughs> Calvin, a big fan of 90s action movies, steals the camera. On the way out of the prop studio, Murph notices there's a piece of masking tape under the camera with the initials MB. The three students soon discover the camera isn't broken and works just fine. However, the camera is weird. It will turn and point to where the explosions will be. It zooms in on women's asses and stops at every American flag. The movie is an action comedy. Girls think they're recording their butts on purpose and slap Calvin and Murph. Since the three of them happen to be around so many explosions, because the camera leads them there, they are investigated by the police, which leads to a chase scene. The first short film they record with the camera gets an A-plus in their action movie class. So does their second, third, and fourth. Eventually, a jealous student, Ox, breaks the camera when he finds out about its power. They have to submit one final project, a feature. With the camera broken, they don't know what to do until Reg decides to edit together the footage of the cameras they've been filming themselves with because they're USC film students. Of course, they've been filming themselves all the time, which goes into my rule of this being a found footage movie. And she submits that. They get an A+, and the movie ends with them getting to shadow Michael Bay on his next movie. Also, Michael Bay is directing my movie because, of course, he would make a movie that was a love letter to himself. And that's my pitch for Like Mike about Michael Bay. Oh, God. All right, Alex, what'd you do? That was an experience. (laughs) It was something. It was something. Um, Wow. Uh, Okay. So... uh, (laughs) Well, let's just get this out out of there. Uh, my director is Matt Reeves, who uh, directed Cloverfield. So, guess what rule I'm going with? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, my uh, not so, the movie I expected to be found footage from either. And both of, of us. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the Jurassic Park Fast Five all over again. Um, yeah, yeah, that one real pissed me off. <laughs> Uh, so my Calvin Cambridge is uh, Alex Hibbert, who was in uh, The Shy uh, on Showtime. Uh, my uh, Tracy Reynolds is John David Washington, who's in Ballers uh, and Tenet, uh, also played a few years in the NFL. Uh, my And then I just changed the two friends. So um, I uh, put uh, Rohan Chand from Mowgli as uh, his friend number one, Jeffrey, and then uh, Julian Dennison from Deadpool 2 as his other friend, Devin. Um, 
So here we go. The movie begins with uh, as three friends are picking up a, a camera that they find uh, while at an old thrift store. Uh, Julian is instantly obsessed with the camera and decides to buy it as he continues just recording everything him and his friends do. As the friends are wandering uh, around the store, uh, they find an old, up, beaten up pair of boxing gloves. The kids buy the gloves and Calvin places them in his backpack. Calvin and his friends are walking home when some neighborhood bullies start to pick on them. To try and intimidate the bullies, Calvin shows them the gloves and warns them, I just got done with my boxing training. Back off. And the kids call his bluff. And, uh, and as the friends run away, they'll, they get cornered in an alley uh, where it's raining. Calvin puts on the gloves and, and he whispers, please light, make me like Mike. And lightning strikes down on the gloves. Calvin approaches the bullies, takes a swing that knocks one bully so far that it looks like an explosion from a war film. The other two bullies run in fear. Yes, these are Mike Tyson's gloves. Oh, yeah. The friends are amazed by these gloves and each try them out, realizing the powers only work when on Calvin, uh, which just for our knowledge is because of the lightning striking as we said it. Uh, Calvin enters an amateur, amateur contest for $10,000 and easily wins. An old washed-up local fighter tri- named Tracy Reynolds takes Calvin under his wing and makes uh, his professional boxing debut at age of 14, despite his obvious size and age difference of his opponents. Calvin runs through all the competition until the day of the champion, his first championship shot when his gloves go missing. Tracy threw them away, thinking that he was doing him a favor, gifting him brand new ones for his first championship fight. Terrified, Calvin spends the entire fight running from his opponent, who knocks himself out um, while running out of breath from frustration from not being able to hit Calvin. Calvin relinquishes the belt to become a normal kid again, and despite his weird last fight, becomes a neighborhood hero and a known enemy of all bullies who run uh, whenever his name is mentioned. And that is my pitch. All right. Alex uh, covers comments on our show. Bud Heavy, new sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say we're more, we're quick. more, we're more at Bush Heavy right now. So we're gonna get to Bud Heavy with a few more views. So keep sharing uh, and subscribing <laughs> and rating. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, whatever. Joe just mumbled and yelled. <laughs> um, all right. So Joe, Michael Bay sucks. Um, describe why your movie should be made. And Alex, <laughs> as soon as you said boxing gloves, I wrote like Mike Tyson. I'm super into your movie. Basically, my question is, Joe, defend your piece of shit movie. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Bay is a director, and he makes movies that people want to see sometimes, like me. Like, he made The Rock one time, and he made Bad Boys and Bad Boys 2. And then and and the third one, I think. He just cameoed in it as himself. No, I don't know if he was himself, but he was in the movie during the... He gave a wedding speech. Um... That's why I, I really have nothing. Wedding. As soon as he said Bay. like Mike Tyson, basically as soon as I realized Alex's was like Mike Tyson, all, all hope of me winning this point, I feel like went <laughs> down the drain. Um, I just tried to Google famous people named Mike, and the first one that came up was Michael Bay, and I realized, oh, I could use that and make this a found footage movie. I was about to say, I was like, okay, you wanted to do this as a found footage. I thought your process was... I'm stuck with found footage. I'm going to look up famous directors. The only one I can think of is Michael Bay. That's <laughs> named Michael. Even though there's probably a hundred of them, I'm going to go with that one. Like and Michael yours Moore. was, no, I just looked up fate. Yeah. Like make it a Michael Moore movie. You know, <laughs> yeah, Joe yeah. writing a Michael nice. Moore movie would be very funny to me for so many reasons, but <laughs> no, um, 
Joe, Michael Bay sucks. And you even commented on like viewing girls' asses and stuff. Like all you focused on literally the most problematic thing. I focused in on the, the Michael Bayisms that people know about. Yeah, but like, man, that's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you two even need to fight this one out. I mean, I, Joe, you can try yeah, to defend take your, your fucking movie, point. but yeah, well, uh, Jordan, you got anything to add to this comment conversation? I, I can only feel like this came to Joe in a dream because this is how he wishes his college film classes went. That's yeah, all my thing. film classes were like, sit in this room and watch this fucking movie from 1942. And I'm like, God damn it. Joe, uh, I actually like some of the big names. And then when I realized the MB was Michael Bay, I'm like, Johnny is going to shit all as over. Soon as, he, as soon as he even included the camera, I was like, he's about to make this a Michael Bay movie. So I was laughing all the time. And I was like, no way. I love this take unlike Mike. I had no idea it was going that way. Honestly, to me, it didn't even occur to make it a different like Mike until Joe came up and was like, Michael Bay, I'm like, oh shit, I wonder what Alex is going to do about this. You knocked it out of the park on this one for me. I think (gasps) Joe... (laughs) Nice nice mute work. Alex won this I thought, I thought covers made, started made talking, that so. uh, burp noise from a, <laughs> no. one of his comments. Okay, I know what I'm going with next when you give out this fucking bullshit point. Do you guys want to praise my pitch anymore, though, before we move on? Not sure, Joe. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I liked your pitch. I would go see your movie. Like Mike Tyson, he finds boxing gloves. It's, it's basically a modern version of, like, Mike, the original one, and it's a cool idea. So, yeah. I, I would totally see that. I was this close to bringing the entire cast back of just, yeah, Lil Bow Wow is still Calvin. Brenda now Song he's big is still Reg. And then I'm oh, like, I'll Alex, just bring back Jesse Plemons. How did you not make this your cameo appearance one? Like, this would have been way better <laughs> for your he cameo full, appearance. He, he had full control over Ninja Turtles doing Because I saw cameo. the cameo one at the loophole. I got it. I got you. I got you. But this, I just feel like this would have been the better one for the – from Mike yeah, Tyson. I, I do I do wish Alex included in his um the celebrity cameo should have been someone involved with Ninja Turtles in some way. Like instead of Alan John, it was nothing to do with it. It should have been like Corey Feldman, who was the voice <laughs> in like one of the original ones or something like that. But yeah. back to these. Joe lost. It's three to two, Alex. Um all, right. all you need to know, Joe, you're losing, bud. First yeah, we're going with Dracula right and Lauren. The answer is this is can number six. I thought it was a different beer every time you brought it up to drink out of it, man. No, this is can and number six. Are. Every sip is a new beer. He just takes the wrong one. I wish I knew how to Wait, use... Wait, did I tell um, you what movie we're going with? I forgot. I don't think you did. Oh, we're going with uh, Dracula, and I'll go first. All right, Dracula. There's been a million of them, um, but I went with the description for the 1931 Dracula. It's about the ancient vampire Count Dracula. He arrives in England um, and begins to prey upon the virtuous young Mina, starring uh, Bela Lugosi and, Hen- uh, and Helen Chandler, directed by Todd Browning and some other dude who was uncredited, so I didn't write it down. No one cares. So. In late 18th century Europe, there's a storm on the Black Sea. It grounds a large ship on the coast of Romania. Three people, two men and a woman, leave the ship hoping to find help. They come across a large creepy castle with bats flying everywhere and eyes staring at them in the distance. 
They knock on the door and are greeted by a strange man who introduces himself as Count Dracula. One of the men steps forward, and this is where my rule comes in, because he says, my name is Captain Jack Sparrow, and these are my associates, <laughs> William Turner and Elizabeth Swan. The overall plot of my movie... V is uh, Dracula becomes obsessed with Elizabeth because she looks identical to his late wife. Will and Jack have to fight Dracula to rescue her, but there are still classic Pirates of the Caribbean hijinks. Uh, when Captain Jack learns vampires have eternal life, he willingly gets cursed by Dracula and becomes a vampire, which ultimately would get reversed by the end of the movie. The movie ends with Will stabbing Dracula with a sword, pinning him to a wall, and the three of them running away and going back to their ship, which is no longer grounded after all the rain lifting the sea level. Uh, my director is Gore Verbinski, who directed the first three Pirates movies, and my Dracula is Mads Mikkelsen, who was uh, uh, the dad in Rogue One. He was in Doctor Strange, and he played Hannibal Lecter on Hannibal on NBC. And that's my. And he was uh, Lashiv in uh, Casino Royale, best Bond movie. All right, Alex, what do you got for me? All right, uh, this is one of those ones that I told you, This I genuinely don't know if people will love this or hate this. Uh, so my director is uh, Taika Waititi, uh, who did... Love it. Um, All what we do right. in the shadows. Um, my Dracula, my Vlad Dracula, is uh, Jason Siegel from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Because <laughs> uh, that's I, what people know him for, not How I Met Your Mother or anything. Well, Screw How I Met Your Mother. That movie yeah. that just sucks. It's uh, all about it's about forgetting Sarah Marshall when he's a. Yeah, I it, won't there's significance to why I say forgetting. Hundred percent. Um, Jonathan Harker is uh, Chris Hemsworth from Thor, uh, and then uh, Mina Harker is played by Kristen Melody, who is also from How I Met Your Mother. So uh, this is set a little bit differently. Plaid Dracula is returning from London to uh, Transylvania for his 15-year high school reunion. He's nervous but ready to see his old classmates, especially his crush Mina. Plaid, being a vampire, shows up late and after dusk uh, and misses much of the party. He approaches Mina immediately and they hit it off instantly, just like in high school. Then out of nowhere, her husband shows up, uh, who is... Vlad's sworn enemy from high school, Jonathan Harker. Vlad challenges Harker to a fight for the love of Mina. Harker accepts, and they plan an MMA-style fight in three weeks because this is a sports movie. Vlad begins training and seeks out known <laughs> steroid users to drink their blood. He shows up to the fight three, three times the size uh, from the three weeks prior due to all the steroids. Uh, during the fight, he kills Harker, and uh, Mina becomes his bride where he then bites her so they can live happily ever after forever. And that is my pitch. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jordan, initial thoughts on these two interesting <laughs> pitches. So, uh, Alex, I'll be honest. I wrote two things about yours. Weak sauce and worse than the original Twilight. So just letting you know how I feel. Sure. About it. Oh, uh, well, shut up, Joe. Don't worry. Yours is coming. Uh, <laughs> No, actually, Joe, uh, on, on yours, uh, my I wrote down, no fucking way. But then as you explained it, I actually started thinking about it. At first, I was like, there's no way this would work. Then I realized you basically just remade Dead Man's Chest, the second Pirates movie, but instead of Davy Jones as the bad guy, you have like a Dracula character. And I can actually really see it now that I think about it and I'm, I'm thinking about it more. So um, I would actually like to see yours made as the Pirates movie. I, I think that would be interesting if we could go back in time and change it. Um, I know oh, it, yeah, it was do. part of the overarching plot of the whole Pirates films, the first three anyway. 
Um, but it would be interesting to see. So I, I, I'm going to go with you on this one for me, Joe. Fucking a, yeah, right. right. Um, Jordan uh, did something there, which I was more into Joe's pitch until I started thinking of it, thinking of it like dead man's chest. So no, now, don't think Jordan, of it like dead man's chest. Jordan now hindered Joe's point. Jordan, Jordan, just like, Jordan said something. He tried to say something positive, but it really changed my mind. Boo. Fuck um, Jordan. Take him off the stream. <laughs> okay. Here's my question, uh, Bud Heavy. <laughs> um, I like Matt Mickelson, and I think he's very good. But how does he fit in with the tone of the rest of your characters in Jack Sparrow? Because, I mean, he fits into – I mean, Doctor Strange and – he. He is a chameleon as far as fitting into tone. He fits in well with Rogue One. He fits in well with Doctor Strange. He fits in well with Hannibal. Like if you need him for a certain tone, but, he can but here's my thing. that tone. But in all of those tones, like I know some are darker than others, but he's always the very, very serious straight man. But that's the thing. I've never he's seen him do anything for more. Jack Sparrow to play off of. Okay. Is Jack Sparrow like buddies with Dracula? No, like they're fucking going against each other. It's they show up at a castle looking for help, and it's fucking Dracula's house, and they're like, "Oh Wait, shit!" Okay, so Jack Sparrow is with Elizabeth Jack Sparrow Bond is with well. William Turner. Essentially, the Got plot it. of my okay. movie. Okay, I I thought yeah. it was those two go to the castle and 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 Dracula's just like hanging with Jack Sparrow, which no, I'm like, I, I think would have been, which I was confused by, but interested in. Jack Sparrow <laughs> and Will Turner are working together to save Elizabeth Swan. All right. Um, okay. Alex, you lost me at sports movie. You had me everything before <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that was the same. As soon as defend, he said, I'm like, oh, I lost. your best pitch, man. Defend your, your sports choice other than I had to use a rule. How does that make your movie better? Um, I just thought in a way to change Dracula completely. I just – and I, I just really – I think I had the idea in my head. I thought it would be funny to have him <laughs> – uh, purposely drinking the blood of steroid users that got in my head early, and uh, and that was kind of it for it. That that um, was the basis. I yeah, like and right. and I forgot to say in my pitch too. Uh, one of the thing, the reason I I did uh, Jason Siegel in this is because if you've seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall, he does that Dracula's Lament song, um, and Jason Siegel's actually written like an entire play based off of this. Like that was something that he legitimately did. Um, when they put that in the movie, so I was be- really hoping that your movie was going to be puppets, and it was Jason Siegel, <laughs> and I was very disappointed when it went in a different direction. So, so those, so the this like the Dracula's Lament and all of those songs are in this. Um, obviously, not in the puppet form like uh, like Jason Siegel intended, but uh, that was the significance for a sighting that he was in, forgetting Sarah Marshall, and b uh, deciding to cast Jason Siegel as Dracula. All right. Um, this is a hard one because not really. Uh, Cause my, I, I don't, I don't love not. either of your movies, but, um, uh, fight each other for a little bit. Tell me why your movie is yeah, better. Than no you. one wants to, Okay, he got steroids because he ate a guy. Who cares? Mine no, got Jack guy. Yeah, one of the most popular film characters yeah, of all time. On, I, I feel like the way I interpret the Jack Sparrow rule is Jack Sparrow comes into this universe not mine did dracula, my jack sparrow not dracula goes into the pirates of the caribbean universe because that's 
that's a completely different rule to me. That's let's a fair point. Uh, let's let's contemplate who wrote this rule and can decide what it means. Oh, I wrote this rule and I decide what it means. Oh, and who's the judge? Me. Yeah, who's the so judge? Shut your mouth. And, movie and executioner. pitch executioner. Pitch yeah. This guy. Duke, so Duke, I think that to me, that's one. that's the thing with me on the, on that rule is it's it's now it's a pirates movie with Dracula. It's not a Dracula movie with a pirate with Jack Sparrow. But mine's the plot because the plot of the original Dracula is Dracula falls in love with this girl because she looks exactly like his late wife, and that's exactly what I did instead of. But I changed it so it's Elizabeth Swan that looks exactly like his late wife, and so that's the thing of they have it's the plot of the original Dracula, but I just substituted the main group and it's now William Turner, Elizabeth Swan and Jack Sparrow. All right. I think I got a decision here. (laughs) Here's my thing. I should not start drinking at fucking six when we have a seven o'clock show. I formed, I should start drinking at like seven 30. Joe, you wrote your pitches days ago. You suck anyway. (laughs) Yeah. These pitches were written before the drinking. So don't blame your pitches. Just your arguing. But, yeah, um, I think rule-wise, I think Alex used his better because, like Alex was saying, the rule was not make Dracula into a Pirates of the Caribbean movie or put it in that universe. It was just put Jack Sparrow into a movie. There's no reason to put Elizabeth Swan and uh, fucking Legolas in it. um, (laughs) (laughs) That's the I couldn't think of the actor's name or the the character's name. So we're Mr. Katy Perry, Orlando Bloom. So Mr. Katy Perry, that's right. Joe, if you had just renamed those characters, yours would have been better. Um, As far as rule wise, so I I do think Alex wins as far as the rule cast. Cast though, um. Alex, you made a Taika Waititi movie, but I don't think any of your people fit really into Taika Waititi. I know you put Chris Hemsworth in there, but I'd be I as soon as you said Dracula, Taika Waititi, I wrote Jermaine Clement. He should have been your Dracula. He was awesome as the vampire, as one of the vampires in um, uh, What We Do in the Shadows, and he just fucking looks crazy. So I I would have liked your movie better. And then as soon as you said Jason Segel, I was like. Now it's going to be a puppet movie. And then it wasn't a puppet movie, so I was very disappointed as that in that too. And I don't think sports really fits into Dracula. So overall, I, I think Joe, as uh, drunken as he is over there, I think he wins this this pitch. Oh, fucking yeah. I need to see Even though both the movies sounded terrible. Yeah, that was the kind of – I almost started with that one just to get it out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, now – it is three to three. Clean we got two more movies left. If I'm doing my math correctly, we got three. three more movies left. <laughs> you keep wanting to. <laughs> Damn it. You can make hard it like to... high school baseball. We have, a, we have a comment. Um, hard to disagree with a judge dupe ruling. That's fucking right. That's all I have to say. Um, anyway, what are we doing next there, uh, loser? Uh, let's go with. <laughs> Drop Dead Fred. Hell yeah. You're goddamn right. I was like, when are they going to do Drop Dead Fred? I haven't even seen this movie, but I know a lot about it. So let's let's go to Drop Dead Fred. Um, this I'll movie, off, by the way. Cool, cool, cool. This movie's from 1991. It's about a young woman. Uh, she finds her already unstable life rocked by the presence of a rambunctious imaginary friend 
from childhood. Literally, it's an imaginary friend played by Rick uh, Mial. Uh, it stars Phoebe Cates, and it's directed by Eight Day Jong. That's a real name. So let's hear it. <laughs> Alex, you're starting. What's right. up? Please right. have a short pitch. Uh, not really. Oh, um, Joe's got a pee? Yeah. <laughs> I'll just go really slow then. Uh, so I am doing... <laughs> Uh, my my rule is that it must be comprised of only Razzie Award winners. Nice. So uh, this movie is directed by and starring uh, Tom Green, uh, who won a Razzie for Freddy Got Fingered. Uh, both, and he won that in both as the actor and as the director as well. Uh, so he is playing Drop Dead Fred. Uh, Hillary Duff, uh, who we all know from the Lizzie McGuire movie or the show, uh, plays Jennifer, the main character as well. Uh, Jennifer's mom is being played by Sharon Stone. And then... <laughs> Ian Wright says, Ate the dong? Yeah, that's that's the director of this movie, Ate the dong. <laughs> Ian Wright. I assume... I don't care. Ian Wright. And then my uh, young Jennifer is played by Eileen Quinn, who was just the, uh, as previously mentioned, like in this 80s one... All right, if, uh, if Alex finishes, like, you're going to have to figure something out because I, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> yeah, get, yeah, get out of here. Well, Alex, wait, should I wait? Because he's not really able we'll to. We'll wait. We'll wait so we can hear your, so we can hear your pitch. Um, so for anyone, anyone who has not listened to the podcast, um, How Did This Get Made? They cover Drop Dead Fred, and it is one of the most amazing episodes ever. The show is... Basically, just it covers bad movies, and they do live shows with audiences. And it's Paul Shear and Jason Manzukis uh, from the League, and uh, June Diane Raphael, who is Paul Shear's wife, but in a bunch of movies um, as well. And they just like cover weird movies, and they have guest epi- They have guests on every episode, and they do Drop Dead Fred. And t- Paul and the guest think Drop Dead Fred is one of the worst movies ever. And Jason and uh, June. Uh, both think it's like the greatest movie ever made. And it's just the whole time is them fighting over it. So I've listened to that episode a lot. That's my full basis of information on this movie and reading about it, but I've never seen it, but it looks ridiculously crazy. So I'm, uh, I couldn't I'm anxious even to hear your pictures. That's how bad it looks. So It <laughs> looks terrible. Honestly, I feel like the trailer makes it seem worse than it is. It's, it's one of those movies. Have you actually have. seen it? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I've okay. Seen a, I've seen it. Yes, yeah, we picked this because it's in Alex's uh, top five movies ever made, if I remember yep. correctly. Yeah, yep. I've got a tattoo totally. of it. It's. it's <laughs> <laughs> what if you lifted your shirt and it was just fucking Fred's face? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. So we we did we stopped doing my pitch so you could hear it. Um, okay, I I, I I had to go so bad I couldn't do it. Good. I was trying. I was so trying so hard. Just, so I'm going to restart. So I've got my director is Tom Green. My drop dead yeah, friend yeah, is yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Tom Green. Hillary Duff is Jennifer. Sharon yeah. Stone as Jennifer's mom. And then Eileen Quinn. I don't remember what movie she won her Razzie Award for, but it was in the 80s. And she was the only like under 18 girl that won uh, a Razzie. And I needed a young version of Jennifer. Uh, so here's my pitch. Jennifer is a weird kid growing up that loves art and has an imaginary friend named Drop Dead Fred who is always getting her into things that get her in trouble. Jennifer never makes any real friends and is later sent to a boarding school for children considered at risk. 
At the school, therapists suppress her memories of Fred. Uh, she returns home at 24 as a very quiet, straight-laced, unhappy young lawyer, and upon inspecting her room, opens the jack-in-the-box that housed Fred, and like a genie in the bottle, she has now let him out, and he's come back to cause havoc. At first, Jennifer thinks she's going crazy, but suppressed memories are flooding back to her, and she remembers all the fun she used to have with Drop Dead Fred, and then she begins to return to her old self. Uh, as the movie continues, Drop Dead Fred shows her how to enjoy life, encourages her to quit her job and pursue art, which she does much to the dismay of her family and her and drop dead Fred continue to be friends uh, for the rest of eternity. Uh, wait, what Joe? was it? Oh yeah. Razzie's. Okay. I was like, Razzie rule. Joe, what's yours? All right. In the 1990s, uh, the 10 year old daughter of Gotham city's mayor is kidnapped by the mad hatter, a crazy child molester who is inspired by the Alice in Wonderland character. As she lays trapped in the basement, chained to a wall, she creates an imaginary friend, Drop Dead Fred. Drop Dead Fred entertains the girl by telling her jokes and harassing the goons. Eventually, Batman breaks in and rescues her, beating up all the goons along with a Mad Hatter. The whole time, Drop Dead Fred watches and reacts comedically. There's a 10-minute sequence of Batman escorting the girl back to her father. We get moments similar to that of Logan, Leon the Professional, the Man from Nowhere, and Man on Fire. After the girl is back to safety, Drop Dead Fred sticks around, still wreaking havoc and causing chaos. He is no longer harassing goons, but her family and friends. Eventually, the girl's mom tells her to lock up uh, Drop Dead Fred in a box. Uh, cut to present day, and the girl is now an adult. She finds the box where she locked away Drop Dead Fred and opens it. He is unleashed, unleashed, and she must now deal with him and the trauma from her childhood. My director is Kevin Smith. Uh, the adult version of the girl is Margot Robbie. My Batman is Brad Pitt. My uh, Mad Hatter is uh, Johnny Depp. And my Drop Dead Fred is Bill Murray. And you're probably thinking, who the fuck would want to watch this movie? The answer, me. I would want to watch this movie, which is the rule I used. Make a movie only you would want to watch. And that's All my right. pitch. Interesting. Oh, interesting. Uh, Jordan, initial thoughts? Uh, I'll start with Joe. Uh, Joe, at first I was like, man, that could get really dark really quickly uh, uh, with the whole child molester thing and the, the where she comes up with the imaginary friend as like a, a psychotic break or something. I thought, man, this could get really dark. Um, I had the image of, for some reason, whether it's right or wrong, uh, when you said she opens it up to reveal it to help again, I thought of the scene in Dr. Sleep when he opens the boxes of like the demons or whatever it was, yeah. uh, if, you, if you understand what I'm referencing. Um um, I think you took the concept and made it way, way more interesting. I think it could potentially be done really, really well. Um, of course, you throw Bill Murray in it. I actually love it, uh, even though I think that would actually be one of the weaker parts of the film. Um, uh, wow. But I really, <laughs> I really like it. Uh, I think uh, for Rule Seven, where you'd be the only one that would want to would want to watch it, I think you you knocked it out of the park on this one for me. So I, I fucking yeah, really, I did. I really liked it, um, Alex. I, I think this was a tough rule for you to 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 say with this one or to to bring into this one because you didn't really change much about the movie. Um, you just made a bad movie into another bad movie. If you're using, you know, all all Razzie winners, um, not that Razzie winners haven't gone on or have done previously good things or done good things after. Uh, I feel like we went from a Razzie movie to the only two-time, two-year-in-a-row, a second annual Razzie winner. <laughs> uh, so uh, not that it wouldn't be entertaining or interesting, but I, I feel like you didn't change up enough for me. Um, 
and it was a hard rule to apply. Mm. All right. Uh, my first question, Alex, your movie yeah. is a remake of Drop Dead Fred directed by Tom Green. On a scale of 100 to 200, <laughs> how many dick jokes will there be? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's mostly dick jokes. Probably. Like, what's, 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 well, the, uh, what's the DPS here? What's the, what's the dick joke per second? <laughs> We're looking at a good two to three. Okay, the movie, all right, the that's the answer. Is, I the whole movie the, is just a dick joke. The whole movie is just one giant <laughs> dick joke. That's what I would expect from Tom Green doing Drop Dead Fred because you really, uh, yeah. you know, combine the humor with can, can I address uh, Jordan's comments real quick? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I think, yes, I am taking a movie that wasn't that great and um, turning it into another movie that's like, it's still, it's, Directed by Razzie, you know Razzie winner, starring Razzie winners. Um, but I think that uh, this is a movie that you don't really—you're never going to make it an amazing movie. It's not like one of those movies where, like, wow, that was an amazing idea, just terrible execution. This is a movie that's never going to be an amazing film. It um, is if it, it stars Bill Murray. If that's the case, then that was a <laughs> yeah, bad a choice bad to movie. use a movie that only you want to see. Uh, mm-hmm. So. That's that's just my my response to that is this isn't supposed to be a movie that's amazing or like a, an academy it's not supposed to go from Razzie winner to Academy Award winner it's just supposed to be an entertaining movie yeah and and Joe that that brings me to my point with my question for Joe Alex's it's a movie only I would want to see suffered from I put the rock in it he's going to draw an audience more people are going to want to see it. You put Batman in a movie and said that it's a movie that only you would want to see. No matter what, you can make make the shittiest Batman movie on Earth, like Suicide Squad, and it's still going to have an audience. But my whole thing is, his movie starred The Rock. My movie essentially has a Batman cameo. My movie, Batman shows up, and he rescues her, and he saves her, and they have like a little moment where they talk about childhood trauma, and then Batman's gone for the rest of the movie. But you have Batman being played by... Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt. and you yeah. have Margot Bill Robbie, Johnny Depp, Margot Robbie. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same thing that hurt my my movie, and that you argued for. That you argued the same case against. Well, you know what? Movie. We weren't talking about my movie when we were talking about <laughs> your movie. All right, your movie had the biggest star on the planet Earth. My movie had, has some decently known people. Yours had the biggest star on the planet Earth from the early two thousands, though. Yeah, and but uh, last time I checked, it's 2020. <laughs> he could still he's still a star. He though. checks his watch. Okay. Um, all right. I, don't know. I, I think I have my ruling. Um, uh, Jordan, who would you go with here if you if you had to decide? Year number seven. Not that anyone's keeping track anymore. This is the uh, this is the first pitch where afterward, listening to the two actually talk. Uh, Fucking a right, Alex Covers. <laughs> no, you would not. Alex Covers. There's two viewers for it. Fuck you, Alex. I was I was just gonna say after after listening to the points Alex made, uh, Joe. I don't know if you successfully defended yours enough for me. But can, um, okay, can I, I can I defend mine? No, you can't. This is my turn. So no uh, you, not that I necessarily changes my opinion. Um, uh, 
I'm going to lean Joe on this one still, although Alex really came back and leveled the playing field with his arguments and his, his uh, afterthoughts. All right. All right. Can I can Here's, I defend mine before you make your official ruling? Can I Yeah, defend some? your defend your movie. Okay, number 1 my director is Kevin Smith. Not a director with wide mass appeal right now between Yoga Hosers and all of the other movies he's made that not a lot of people like that I still love. I loved Yoga Hosers. I'm like the only person on the planet. My tone that I was going for was was similar to the show of Happy starring Christopher Maloney. It was on sci-fi, and I think it got canceled after two seasons. It's now on Netflix. A really great show with a dark tone with a little bit of humor mixed in. Again, show that got canceled after two seasons because only I watched it. And so, yeah, that's my defense of my movie. But I, Also, you should watch Happy. It's on Netflix. It's to, great. to go against that, I mean, doesn't... I feel like Kevin Smith's one of those people that has a following that anything he, he does, has a following of very those few people. people. Those, no, I don't think. I mean, the guy had a had a TV show dedicated to him doing a podcast about comics, and now but, he's a competitor on the Schmodown. So is Chris Jericho. I mean, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Okay, here, here's my thing. That's not going to swing my ruling because we're going to do it like this. It basically your rule. Both rules are tied into your cast for me because. Alex, your rule was cast Razzie winners, and you cast, like, the biggest Razzie winners, like, people who are very bad at making things. So I think that actually helped you. Jesus, Joe, mute your mic. <laughs> okay, because here's, here's my thing. We're going to go back to two previous movies here because Joe's Razzie movie cast people that had won Razzies but outside of Jaden Smith can actually – act and uh alex went the other direction with it because i feel like you have to go one of the two ways and alex cast razzy winners like tom green who's a garbage person and hillary <laughs> duff who's a garbage actress um she had a good and he went though, right? and he went all that way no, so like she just knocked her fiance's you know I, I think i think that um helped alex because i think he went just Everything in his tone and direction, like, stayed. Like, Alex cast bad people in a bad movie, and I feel like his would be, like, the room-level entertainment of it's so bad, it's entertaining to watch. No. <laughs> Joe, Joe, you... It, again, it, it's supposed to be a movie only you would want to watch. You hit some things of, yeah, Kevin Smith, I don't think has a big enough following to just go see his movies, where I would say, like, the rock does where I'd be like, he's not going to draw in some big crowd. So I don't hinder you for Kevin Smith, but I do hinder you because your cast is all these big stars. Brad Pitt is one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood. Margot Robbie is, is arguably the most famous actress in the world. Johnny Depp is still famous. Um, Yeah. Well, Scarlett Amber Heard likes to play Asian people and Amber Heard. No one gives a shit about. So, um, I, I don't know. Uh, you put Brad Pitt in your movie and then made it a movie only you'd want to watch. Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, and Johnny Depp have their own followings that are probably bigger than Kevin Smith. So I think, Joe, if you had cast just small people from maybe TV shows you liked into your movie, I, don't watch I would have went with you. Um, or just even just small movies that don't, that aren't like big. Like mm-hmm. if I was doing this, I would cast basically everyone from like, me and her own the dying girl because they're great actors and actresses, but they don't have big followings. You put one of the biggest movie stars in the world, Brad Pitt into your movie and then said, it's, you know, only a movie that 
you want to watch. So I think yours suffers from the same thing Alex's did with this rule. So I give this point to Alex for making his Razzie movie. I respect it. Thank you. Thank you. Mm, I don't. I think that, well, that, yeah. that that movie you only want to see, I think that 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 one is a hard one to do though. Like it's just because Yeah, it's it's a certain level of being accurate think, to the rule think, but also not just being a crap movie. Yeah. Yeah, but I think both of you pitched good movies for that rule, but the cast is what hurt both of you. Yeah. Because I think both of you pitched movies that I could to- I wouldn't hurt both of you for being like all right, like Joe's pitch, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, it was a Batman movie. Like Batman's barely in it, right? Yeah. And then Alex's movie, it was like a very inside wrestling, you know, movie. So I'm like, okay, like I could see both of those. But if you both had cast lesser known people, I think that would have would have helped you. And probably both would have won those rules instead of uh, the other way around. But as it stands, it is currently four to three, Alex. Um let me show our banners, which I oh, don't man. know why they keep going out. So it's four to three. Yeah, Alex, yeah, Alex is on the, the verge of a, a victory. Oh, yeah. I haven't done that for any of them. What is our next movie, Joe? All right. Well, I can make sure I can still see straight. I'm going to go with my longest pitch because I still got to read this shit is uh, Batman v Superman. Glad you left this for late when you can't see straight. All right. This is what I wrote for Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. IMDb, IMDb describes this horseshit of a turd like this. Fearing that the <laughs> actions of Superman are left unchecked, Batman takes on the Man of Steel while the world wrestles with what kind of a hero it really needs. That's not at all what that movie's about. It's about Martha. It stars Henry Cavill, Ben Affleck, and Jesse Eisenberg... Um, who is totally shit in this movie, and it's directed by bad director Zack Snyder. So, what do we got? Oh, I'm going first. I don't know if I said that, but I'll go first. Sure. So, my director is uh, Gavin O'Connor, who directed Miracle and Warrior, and uh, also The Accountant. He's very good at showing two characters, or two, you know, two male leads that shouldn't be at war with each other, at war with each other, so that's why I went with Gavin O'Connor. My Batman is going to be Josh Brolin, my Superman is going to be Michael B. Jordan. My Lex Luthor is Tom Hanks. My Alfred is Timothy Dalton. My Robin is uh, Noah Jupe, who was in uh, Ford vs. Ferrari. Uh, he was in some other movies. Who cares? Uh, my Lois Lane is Alexander Daddario. So my movie is going to be completely separate from the DCEU. It's 100% just a standalone movie. Uh, My movie opens with Batman and Robin fighting some henchmen. We see their bond and father-son relationship. They return to the Batcave and they see Kryptonian General Zod has taken over Earth's communication systems. He says that Earth is harboring one of his citizens and he wants him turned over. The next scene is very similar to the opening of the real Batman v Superman, but instead of some random... Uh, old guy at the top of Wayne Tower that gets killed when Superman and Zod fly through it. It's Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Robin. This sends Bruce over the edge. We see Superman kill Zod, and a few days later, there's a press conference where there's a joint venture between three companies, Wayne Enterprises, LexCorp, and this is where my rule comes in, because the third company is SpaceX, represented by Elon Musk, cameoing as himself. They have discovered that kryptonite is a weakness to Kryptonians after testing it on Zod's body, and they will synthesize it, and I am using Batman 
the Batman Inc. storyline where it's public knowledge that Wayne Enterprises funds Batman. And their plan is to give Batman the kryptonite to get the new alien menace to leave Earth. We get our first look at Superman as he talks to Lois. He is scared. He thought he was being a hero, but most people on Earth don't see it that way. He also talks to Lois about how Batman should use his skills to save people, not operate outside of the law arresting people. He says that no one has elected Batman. Uh, Clark Kent is tasked with investigating Wayne Enterprises' unconventionally absent CEO. So we get some scenes of uh, Clark Kent interacting with Bruce Wayne. Bruce notices oddities about Clark's abnormal strength. Uh, he also sees Clark and Lois interact in their relationship. Bruce jokingly refers to Clark as Kansas after he tells, or after Clark tells him he grew up there. Uh, Luther, Elon, and Bruce have synthesized the kryptonite. Uh, Batman approaches Superman and they fight after Bruce sprays him with aerosolized kryptonite. The kryptonite eventually wears off. Superman uses x-ray vision and peeks under the mask and is shocked to see that it is Bruce Wayne is Batman. Uh, Batman sprays him again and knocks Superman unconscious. Bruce realizes Superman is Clark and uh, Lex shows up in a kryptonite-powered mech suit. Lex tells Batman to step aside. He is here to rid Earth of this menace once and for all and finally prove to Earth that Lex Luthor is its true savior. The fight then becomes Batman and Superman versus Lex in his mech suit uh, because Batman realizes the plan was to never get Superman off of Earth but to kill him and Bruce realizes Superman has been on Earth for a long time and that there has only been one incident. Uh, not Because up until this point, Batman assumes Batman Bruce Wayne has assumed that Superman has recently come to Earth, and that's when this problem showed up. And once he realizes uh, Superman's been here for a while, he's not as angry. Uh, and then uh, Batman and Superman defeat Luther, and that's kind of my overall plot. And I like the uh, subtext of why I made Michael B. Jordan my Superman is because the subtext of these three rich white billionaires telling this uh, brown immigrant that they should not that they don't belong and that eventually one of them realizes that, Hey, maybe, maybe this uh, immigrant can actually be of use and can be helpful to society. And so that's my pitch for uh, Batman V Superman. Cool. All right, Alex, you got a lot to compete with over there. Yeah. Um, okay. So my director is uh, Joseph Kaczynski who directed Top Gun Maverick and Tron. Uh, my Bruce Wayne is Bradley Cooper. My Superman <laughs> is, uh, Army Hammer from The Man from Uncle. Uh, my Lex Luthor is Miles Teller. Uh, my Lois Lane is Catherine Langford from Knives Out, uh, and as well as uh, 13 Reasons Why. Uh, and my Alfred is uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins. Uh, oh, so nice. The world is still an aftershock of uh, after Superman's fight with Zod. Billionaire Bruce Wayne is growing more and more weary of Superman as unlimited alien powers and has begun uh, lobbying the president, President James Marshall. Uh, so that is my rule right there. That's uh, Harrison Ford's character in uh, Air Force One to do some protect, to do something to protect the country and the world from further damage from Superman and other metahumans. The president says he believes Superman's heart is pure and he won't be taking any action against him. So Bruce Wayne takes it into his own hands as Batman and tries to partner with Lex Luthor, not realizing uh, Lex Luthor's true plans. Batman and Superman begin clashing, both coming close to death, uh, with the other refusing to finish it uh, towards the other. As they fight, uh, sorry, got lost. Oh, as the two fight, uh, 
Superman uh, shows some footage oh, that he's been uh, that he's been gathering as Clark Kent of Lex Luthor and how he's actually trying to take over the world and is using Batman as his pawn. The two realize their similar moral compass and decide to call a temporary truce to work together as Lois or as Lois Lane has recently been also kidnapped by uh, Lex Luthor. Uh, through this, they work together and defeat Lex Luthor and save Lois Lane. The two begin to have a much higher respect for each other and form a civil yet competitive bond where they both continue to protect their cities but from a distance and help each other when necessary. And that's my pitch. All right. Okay, Jordan, um, initial thoughts over there. Uh, Joe, um, I like that you actually made it Batman versus Superman. There was a lot more of the two uh, against each other throughout your pitch than instead of like a five-second bit at the end where it left me confused. Like, why is this called Attack of the Clones? Who did the clones attack versus why is this Batman versus Superman? I don't get it. Oh, there was five seconds at the end. Okay. Um, What I didn't like about yours is I feel like Elon doesn't really fit that. Uh, if you would have used Jeff Bezos instead of Elon Musk, I could have. The movie would have felt better. And Elon Musk is a bigger celebrity. You throw Elon Musk on screen, people are like, "Hey, it's Elon Musk." You throw Jeff Bezos, they're like, "Who's that bald guy?" Yeah, I think a lot of people would recognize Jeff Bezos. Um, I, I, it doesn't take away a lot from me because I get what you're trying to do with it. I think Bezos was the better choice though because I could see him being a supervillain type. Not that Elon, but is Jeff Bezos owns Amazon. Elon Musk but, owns SpaceX. We're dealing with aliens. We need space. SpaceX. Elon Musk. Okay. So uh, Bezos is the better fit here. Um, that's really all I had. I actually still think yours is a pretty good pitch here. I just think Bezos would have been a better celebrity appearance uh, or really better fit for it. Uh, I think it, it fits the general tone of the movie you're going for a little bit better. Um, Alex, uh, uh, when I talked about with Joe that it was more Batman versus Superman, I don't know if you hit the nail on the head for me. It, it seems a little bit more proxy war type of deal for me which is fine because it still shows a batman versus superman i don't know if it's as front and center as it though um more of a question for for johnny and joe and maybe alex if you guys if if you know this um did batman and lex Luthor team up in any other thing like i mean i assume in comics at some point oh pretty much only in um Again, the uh, I always blank on the names, but the video games, the fighting DC oh, the video Ar- games. Ar- uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the okay, but so it's not unheard of, though. It's um, yeah, but it, but it uh, I understand where he's going with it. It makes sense because yeah. they're billionaires and stuff. And and Lex Luthor's not in a ton of comics with just Batman, so they really haven't. But um, yeah, it's more okay. like alternate reality Earth One type stuff like that. Where, sure. where they, okay. Where okay. So that being said, um, it intrigued me. And then I was like, well, is it possible? And then I forgot pretty much in every, you know, DC does it. uh, uh, Marvel does it a little bit too. I mean, a lot of different stories do it. There's always like multiple universes type of things. If it fit in that other one, that would work and that'd be fine. Um, I like Joe's pitch a little bit better this one. Okay. It's Injustice, Gods Among Us. Yeah. Gods Among Us. That's So those are the games in that reality and in those comics – Superman turns evil, Lex Luthor and Bruce Wayne, and you know, become basically best friends to try to stop Superman's evil rampage. But um, I, I think both of you did the one thing that I needed you to do. As soon, if any of you said that Batman's goal was to kill Superman, 
or that he killed people like in the original Batman movie Superman, you would have lost because Batman, the most interesting thing about his character is he doesn't kill and Zack Snyder doesn't understand the character. And that movie was so shitty because of that. So, um, I think, I think I like both of your pitches. I need to know why yours is stronger than the others. So Alex, I'm going to start with you. Why is your pitch a movie I want to see more so than Joe's? Um, I think, for me, it's the fact that I'm not removing it from the rest of the Batman of you know, Justice League and everything like that. I want to continue this story beyond. And this is kind of how you create the formation of the Justice League in the future by having these two together. Um, whereas Joe wants to keep his as a separate thing, which it's 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 just still a unique idea. But I just think looking long like at, at what the movie was supposed to be like in the disappointment that I had seeing the movie back when it came out, like it was supposed to set the tone for like an entire series of movies. Um, I, Unit. Think, I think that mine does that. Uh, and it's a lot of cats on screen right now. <laughs> so much pussy. I, I wasn't going to say hoping Nobody would say Joe, that. Joe did. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I completely disagree with Alex because I think the strongest point about my movie is I'm not beholden. Like, I specifically named my movie Batman v Superman. It's not Dawn of Justice. There's no Aquaman. There's no Wonder Woman. Because what Warner Brothers and DC has shown is they can't set up a big universe. I want to see a movie that's Batman v Superman, which is what anyone, everyone calls this movie. No one, I've yet to, like, go out on the street and be like, hey, have you seen Batman v Superman, yeah, Dawn forgot, of Justice? I forgot they that call this movie Batman until I looked it up on IMDb. They call this yeah. Batman v Superman because that's what everyone cares about. No one cares about making this a larger universe. Everyone cares well, about the two big and it's characters. A great, it's a great court case movie. No, and I, I mean, I think if I had, if I was making the argument that I put Aquaman and Wonder Woman and all that in this, then I think you would have a good point, but I didn't. I still made Yeah, this exactly, because that's the this. wrong choice I to connect this. this. I still made this a Batman versus Superman movie, but it it sets it sets this like everything in place to then move forward from there. How? How Whereas, does yours set stuff in place that mine doesn't? Yours literally is you said is separate. But you didn't say yours has anything that connects to anything else. So now you're just retroactively being like, oh, no, I ended no, I ended my pitch saying that they that they um, that they split off, go and go and defend their own cities, but occasionally team up and that they continue a competitive yet. Um, but my know, movie ends with them teaming up against Lex Luthor after they realize he's a fucking piece of shit. So it's not like mine completely dead of them ever working together ever again. So is yours a separate movie or is it not? Mine's a separate movie, but I'm just saying you're saying, oh, yours is connected because it ends with them being like friends. And I'm saying mine's separate, but it still ends with them being friends. So you're just saying that yours is connected without actually connecting it to anything. I could say, oh, yeah, Aquaman shows up later on. He doesn't fucking need to. But if no. you're saying yours is connected, but you're not including no. Aquaman okay. or Wonder Woman or anything, how's yours connected? I feel like, okay, I think both of you are fighting over that stuff. I don't really need to hear any more of what's connected, what's not. What I want to hear is your casting. Alex, Army Hammer yeah. was once was once supposed to play Batman, but you cast him as Superman. Um, and Bradley Cooper, I don't really see as like rich billionaire Bruce Wayne. So sell me on that. And Joe, same thing with 
James Brolin, I don't see as. Is it Josh Superman. Brolin? James, I'm not casting eight year old James Brolin as fucking. Okay, well, I don't see James Brolin <laughs> as Batman, but I don't, but also Josh Brolin. So sell, All right, sell me on your Batman and Superman's you can, and you can one go of first. Star. So Josh Brolin was basically second in the running behind Ben Affleck for Batman, which is why I cast him. And he took his headphones off, so he's definitely hearing all of these fucking points I'm making right now. Josh Brolin sucks. Everything about him sucks. He's a piece of shit. Let him, I'll, I'll wait for him to put his headphones back on, and then I'll start making my... So Josh Brolin is amazing. Everything about him is perfect. He was, second, he was the second choice behind Ben Affleck for playing the role of Batman. He's got the dark hair. I can buy him as a billionaire. He has that attitude that I need that he had in Sicario. As far as Michael B. Jordan, the idea of Superman is he's a guy who doesn't belong. Who doesn't belong more than a black guy in rural Kansas? I feel like Michael B. Jordan can play that, can play that like fun, heart of gold person of Superman, but he can also play that nerd, quirky, and awkward person of Clark Kent. And so that is why I chose Josh Brolin and Michael B. Jordan as Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent. Okay. All right. Alex, uh, sell me on yours. Uh, so Army Hammer was actually, there were rumors over the last year that he's taking over for Henry Cavill. So that was kind of the, uh, the big reason for me. Um, and similar with Bradley Cooper, there was talk prior to the, uh, takeover of, um, when Robert Pattinson took over, uh, there was talk of Bradley Cooper. And I just think that he's somebody who can play so many different parts. Um, and when you look at Bruce Wayne, you're, you're talking billionaire Bruce Wayne as well as Batman. Um, I just think that uh, Bradley Cooper could pull that off pretty well. He's, you know, he's got that look of he could be a rich billionaire. Um, but then also you, we've seen him be able to bulk up for movies and things like that. Um, as far as uh, my Alfred, I casted that specifically because I was annoyed at myself for taking uh, Anthony Hopkins out of the Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. Uh, and I just felt like, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a place that he, he could still fit in. Um, Lex Luthor, Miles Teller. I fucking hate Miles Teller and everything I ever see him in. And yeah, so why put him in your movie? Bad choice. No, no, no. I hate him because he plays, such a, he plays such a dick in everything. Uh, <laughs> that I, and, like, I just – he does a really good job of me rooting against him. So um, even though I – you know, I, so it's not a statement against his ability to act. It's literally just, like, he always plays somebody I hate and I, hate, and I want people to hate Lex Luthor. Okay. All right. Okay. I, th- I think I got my decision. Um, uh, Jordan, if you were deciding, uh, did their arguments sway you? Are you still leaning towards Joe? I don't know if their arguments really affected me as much this time. Um, I pretty had, I pretty much had my mind set um, because I really liked Joe's take on it from the beginning. Um, the only thing that really bugged me about Joe still is I, I am just, I'm going to be an absolute uh, uh, hard to deal with on this one. I can't see Elon doing it. I got to go with Bezos on this one. It's just, it's my no head. Bezos. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but overall, Joe, I, I still pick Joe for this one. Okay. My thing with the, with the Bezos and, um, Elon Musk is Elon Musk, like Joe said, is more recognizable. So I don't, sure. if you put both on screen, I do understand why he went for that. And it's SpaceX. Like, I mean, yeah. I would understand if he was just like, yeah, Jeff Bezos, since he's Lex Luthor in real life, is just playing Lex Luthor in my movie. 
Sure. There he's a bald, there. he's an evil, bald, rich dude. So like, okay. <laughs> as far as cameo goes, like, okay, Elon Musk. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, that's my, so I, so I, I like the Elon Musk. I think that made sense just because he's been on like the Joe Rogan podcast, which is a shit show, but at least like people know it. So I think he's more recognizable. Um, yeah, than, than right. Bezos is. And, uh, and I, I think as far as it came down to, you used both your rules. Well, I liked Alex's rule of using a Harrison Ford character and not making it a a Star Wars movie. Like you just put in a character that Harrison Ford played, and I think that's a good Big fit. That wasn't, that, honestly. Yeah, that wasn't one of the movies I would have thought of, but that is a super famous. Mad role respect on that. A great movie. I do. I do really like that, um, and I think he fits even just like playing the president nowadays. Like he doesn't have to. You don't even have to like if you aged him down to like air force one age, like nowadays I could be like, all right, yeah, you know, he, he fits. Um, and, uh, and Joe's rule again, I, I think Elon Musk fit into that, to that group with Lex Luthor and, and Bruce Wayne, as far as the, the billionaires meeting up. But I think it came down to casting and I think Joe casting Michael B. Jordan as the, under the misunderstood alien from outer space who no one understands. And it actually deals with some racial issues. I like that he brought that into it. And I think that that is the only thing that was stronger in Joe's movie than Alex's. So because of Michael B. Jordan as Superman, which I liked better casting wise and the reason that Joe cast him and director Gavin O'Connor's and a fantastic director and, Alex picked the dude who did Tron. So I think those are the <laughs> reasons that I think Joe, Joe uh, survives and it is now four to four. I love that this comes down to an inception, the movie I think me and Alex talked about a little bit of the movie we didn't put a lot into. I'm going to tell you, this movie was one that I felt was the easiest one to do. And I'll explain that afterwards. But I'll start. I'll it start. comes down to Inception. Joe wants to start, even yeah. though he is—he uh, won that last point. So it's Alex's decision on who starts. Oh wait, my bad. I'll, I'll, you can take it, Joe. All right, All my right. bad. Sorry, I'm used to losing. <laughs> it's literally four to four. All right. I just Inception uh, is a Christopher Nolan film from 2010. I'm assuming anyone who's watching this has seen it. <laughs> Not someone but that's participating as consulting judge. Oh, what? Sorry. Interesting. About me? What? Jordan, you've never seen Inception, Jordan? I have. I just, I'm too busy, man. Yeah, you're so busy. You've been you watch Doctor Sleep, which is three hours long. Um, okay, Inception <laughs> is about. about three hours? Yeah. Uh, oh, um, it's no, about a thief who steals corporate secrets <laughs> through the use of dream sharing technology. Uh, he's given the inverse task of. Uh, planting an idea into the mind of a CEO. Um, basically, the movie is about going into dreams, into dreams, into dreams. That's the whole idea of Inception. It's a really cool sci-fi movie. Um, it stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Ellen Page, as well as a bunch of famous people. Tom Hardy's in it, Michael Caine, um, Ken Watanabe, uh, everyone in Christopher Nolan movies usually. And again, it's directed by, by Nolan. So it, it's a great movie. And I want to see what both of you did with it. I have not been keeping track of your rules, so I'm interested to see what you both did with the rules here. I just realized what Joe did with it. 
Yeah, right. it's going to be interesting for you, Alex. So, my Inception, my director, I'm going to say, is uh, Roland Emmerich. <laughs> <laughs> my okay. uh, Cobb, originally played by Leonardo DiCaprio, is going to be played by Will Smith. My Arthur, originally played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, is Harry Connick Jr. Mal, originally played by Marion Cotillard, is Vivica A. Fox. My Ariadna, originally Ellen Page, is now uh, Kirsten Warren. My Ames, originally Tom Hardy, is Bill Pullman. My Saito, which I'm going to have the name changed, haven't got to my uh, PR people yet, originally Ken Watanabe, is now Judd Hirsch. Um, My uh, Robert, originally Killian Murphy, is now Jeff Goldblum. My Browning, who is originally Tom Berenger, is now Randy Quaid. And my uh, Miles, originally Michael Caine, is now Robert Loja. And if you didn't realize already, I'm casting this with the cast of Independence Day. Okay. And I'm going to say, so the true. plot of my movie is generally the same, but with more fantastical elements. They're going into people's dreams. So there should be some crazy fucking shit going on. Uh, they should be flying around. If they need to break into somewhere, a dinosaur should show up to destroy the building. If they need to fly away, they do it on a flying unicorn. You know, and there's one moment in the movie where uh, a guy pulls out a pistol and Tom Hardy's character says, you should think bigger, darling. Well, in my movie, instead of pulling out a fucking rocket launcher, just a 40-foot fucking bear just comes and mauls all of the people they're trying to take out. (laughs) Because that's the thing. And my thing is, with Roland Emmerich directing his fucking forte is disaster movies well what better disaster movie than a movie where the world is constantly falling apart which is why uh, roland emmerich should direct my reboot of inception and that's my pitch for inception all right okay that was um a surprisingly good pitch from where he started um alex give me your your, your your last pitch yeah uh, so mine is, uh, my director is Shane Black, who did, uh, Lethal Weapons 1 and 2, uh, as well as The Nice Guys. Uh, and then I'm only, I only casted a few members because I'm actually getting rid of a lot of them because this is going to be a buddy cop comedy. Um, and what, like we talked about earlier, I didn't realize that I didn't have to make it a comedy, so... Mm-hmm. Adapt on the fly, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, so my uh, Dom Cobb is uh, Ryan Gosling uh, from Remember the Titans. Mm-hmm. That's the way I like to cite him. Second highest grossing <laughs> movie well he was as, ever in. <laughs> as well as uh, Matt Bomer, who's in The Nice Guys. Uh, Chuck, as well as Arthur. Uh, and then Olivia Munn is playing my Ariane. I don't know how to say her name. Um, from Predator. Um and also G4 TV back in the day. Um, so my <laughs> film is kind of flipping the script of what it was. They were a dream. They were, do, they were doing a heist in the first movie. Um, now they're actually being asked to be uh, to assist the police. So uh, former dream stealers, Dom and Arthur, have been recruited by the U.S. government to protect the most sacred secrets of the president while he sleeps, as a recent string of leaks have occurred and the only way that they think it could be happening is via dream heist uh, and these new criminals that have learned a way to remotely enter victim dreams without being in the same room as them or connected to them. They accept the condition under uh, complete freedom upon completion of their work, kind of like the uh, same idea of, like, a, I'm not even going to say it. It's, Johnny will hate that. Uh, so I'm just going to say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Uh, 
Oh, you have to say it. You uh, wrote it. Damn it. In the, in the same vein of like a Fast and the Furious movie. Uh, I mean, his, <laughs> okay. his, is a, his is a Roland Emmerich disaster movie, so don't worry about that. <laughs> they, enlist, they enlist the help of their, of their best dream architect, Ariane, to help them. Dom and Arthur embark on a wild ride of chasing down criminals in a world where traditional rules don't exist and they don't know who their targets are even to, to begin. In their quest, they learn the secret behind the thieves' abilities, and as they're learning and figuring it out more and more, they accidentally are jumping into random people's dreams, causing some fun. And that's where a lot of comedic, funny scenes are going to come up. Uh, no, I didn't write any ideas for that, but um, there'll be like kind of like a montage of them just kind of like dream hopping into like random, just weird, weird things. Um, and kind of realizing that they're in like different famous people's dreams. Um, and then the movie, the movie uh, ends with them uh, successfully going into a multiple dream structure to discover uh, the people that are, that are pulling off the heist, stop them. And then they figure out a way to block off any access to those, uh, to the, like the deepest, darkest secrets that the president has. Um, and that is my pitch for Inception as a buddy cop film. All right. All right. Okay. Tear my movie apart. Well, let's go. Jordan, initial thoughts, and then we'll let them tear each other apart because I don't have any questions. Yeah. Uh, both of these, for me, um, started weak but got a lot, lot stronger as you went on. Uh, both of you guys really, I thought by the end, actually changed my mind from what I initially thought at the beginning. Um, Alex, uh, as I realized, and then you said it, uh, you said heist a couple of times. One of my big things with, with movies in general right now is I want more real good heist films and I want more Westerns. Uh, that's neither here nor there, but since yours is a, is a heist film kind of involved, um, I think I think it could work out really well with the whole buddy cop routine. Um, I like your director choice because of the other ones he's done, so I think it's starting off strong. Um, when you said they would like be uh, sort of dream hopping uh, from guy from, you know, it has more comedic tone it reminds me of an episode of futurama called the farnsworth parabox where they just jump from universe to universe in a comedic fashion um i'm just i really like yours i would really enjoy it and i think i'd enjoy um with with how funny it would be uh joe um the first thing i wrote down i'm like man isn't inception already crazy enough with going like dreams within dreams and then the whole wait is it a dream or not um but then you you i think you salvaged it uh um, but uh, the one thing I want to do knock you on here a little bit is does it really need to be more fantasy like you said something to the effect of and they fly away on a unicorn and I don't know if that really adds anything to I know that was just an example of what you're going for um, but I don't know that it needs to be even crazier because I think some of the things that I haven't said people already loved was it made people think it was already crazy enough without being too crazy um, I could actually see it as a disaster movie because that's what what uh, Independence Day was. It was, you know, we're facing humanity and our destruction here. And I think you brought the cast in and explained it well. Explained it well enough that um, I would really enjoy your your, uh, your movie as well. Um, I initially wrote down for Joe better rule usage, but I am a dead 50, 50 on who use it better for me right now. So right. Uh, I don't know if listen to you guys go back and forth. I didn't hear what you said. Wait, Jordan, you might need to go run over to, to Joe's because I didn't hear the last bit of yours. Yeah, come over here. Come in here. Well, but, uh, hop along over here. Alex, defend yours real quick, I guess, of what he said. Yeah, I, I'm I, didn't hear, I didn't hear 
defend. Jordan just spoke for probably two minutes, and I didn't hear almost any of it. It was like broken up. I heard enough to get where he was I going. I get what he was yeah. going, but I, Alex nothing, has- nothing he said is going to affect my ruling. Yeah, I, I didn't hear. I only heard him really say that he didn't. Like, it was like skipping either of our app. Where'd you guys lose me? Like halfway through you, mine. Halfway through yours. Yeah. Okay, Alex, what are you saying? I was just saying, I only really heard him say like he didn't let, love either of ours at the beginning. Um, but you, you know, but then, but then as we pitched, we he you know flipped him, <laughs> and then I heard him um, mention about like the unicorn thing with you and like the fantasy aspect of that. Yeah. So what was your big negative against Alex's? Uh. I don't. I, I didn't really have a big negative against Alex's. Um, I didn't really have a big negative against either of you guys. I just thought yours was. It's already fantasy enough um, in in a in a mind mind messing kind of way. Doesn't need to have something crazy like a unicorn comes yeah. in and they fly away on it. Um, I liked. I really liked yours as a disaster movie because that's ultimately what what uh, Independence Day was. You know, they were facing the end of the world, facing the extinction of humankind. And I think your cast, uh, I mean, I know it's Independence Day, but I could just picture it very, very well the way you came in on it. Yeah. So I guess I guess for the defense of mine of like, it's dreams. So it's like, my thing with Inception is there was no point where I felt like it was what an actual dream is like. It's more just like a James Bond aesthetic without actually being dreamlike. Like when I dream, there's some fucking crazy shit that goes down. But I guess when Christopher Nolan lays down his head in dreams, he just dreams about James Bond. And that's, oh, I guess I try to make mine more James, mind more dreamlike, where crazy shit might go down. But isn't, isn't that kind of, you know, explained away in the, in the movie, in the original, like you don't want to tip off to the dreamer that they're in a dream because then but you don't realize it but they say in the movie they say in the movie you don't realize it's a dream until the dream is over and the whole thing is they supplant the idea and once the idea is supplanted it doesn't matter so it doesn't matter that they realize it's a dream until the idea is well yeah but then you're getting your your you know your subconscious or whatever you know is starting starting to attack well i can change a little bit of the movie rules to fit my movie because it's a reboot I just think it's kind of like my biggest problem with Inception is nothing really that crazy ever happens. And like 90% of the movie is somebody's dream. And like the craziest thing is like Tom Hardy's like, oh, you got to dream a little bit bigger, darling. And he goes from a pistol to a fucking grenade launcher. And that's like the craziest (laughs) thing that happens in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think that with, 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 within and, inception it makes sense though to not have the craziness because you're trying like and i know this is i'm still relating this to the old one rather than yours but just to go against the rule or to go with that rule um you know you're trying to implant this idea in somebody's head and like i feel like when you're trying to make somebody think that their that their idea is their first time idea um you don't want them to be like, oh yeah, I had this dream about unicorns, and it just like all well, the, of a the thing was the think, thing. Like, yeah, I'm gonna give my company to my brother. Like, well, the thing is, <laughs> the thing in Inception was they were trying to implant the idea to dissolve his father's company, and to do that, they had to go in his mind via his dreams. Well, via his dreams, his dreams could be crazy as shit as long as they implant the idea of he should dissolve his father's company. Okay. All right. Anything else you guys are gonna say about each other's stuff? No, my fucking movie's crazier, and that's what dreams are. I mean, I just want to know: Do you have do you have Randy Quaid doing the Buffalo Bill? 
know? No, because my movie's okay. goddamn fucking Inception, not goddamn <laughs> social, whatever the fuck your movie was. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. Okay. All right, here's here's uh here's what I got to say about these. Alex, I love Shane Black. I love the nice guys. Um, I really like your cast. Joe, your rule makes you cast the people you cast. But, again, like Alex's, I wouldn't switch people around. I think you put people in the right roles. I, I think I'd maybe move Jeff Goldblum to either the Joseph Gordon-Levitt role. That was my initial where, thing, but then I needed him. Where he's away. all – but, like, I – but when I was thinking that, I was like, literally, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, every sentence is just exposition, and I don't need Jeff Goldblum to just do exposition. Yeah, that was my, why I moved it. But, uh, but I thought, um, what role did you end up putting him in? Uh, dude, I don't know. was the Ken Watanabe, Ken Watanabe role. <laughs> no, that was uh, Judd Hirsch. Okay, so anyway, so never mind. But he wasn't in the Michael Caine role. He was uh, Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy. Got it, got it. I, I thought he would have been better because that's the person who they are, like, incepting. I think Jeff Goldblum would have been better used as, like, the Michael Caine type, older, wiser. Well, he had to be mild bad, some, like, which, which kind of yeah. contained me. So I, if anyone complained about how is Michael Caine Vivica A. Fox's dad, I would have just said she's adopted. Yeah, but you could have changed that and just been like, well, it's not Zaddy's anymore, it's this. Just like you're like, okay, yeah. it's not Mr. Yeah. Shin anymore, it's this guy. Um, so I, that's the only thing I maybe would have changed. But again, that's like one thing. And I like Jeff Goldblum in pretty much any role, so it's fine. Um, Alex, you did say yours is more like Fast and Furious, which I think are shitty movies. But what I wanted to do with my Fast and Furious movie last week was make it as crazy as possible by putting dinosaurs in it. You kind of did that by putting it into a dream world, right? So, like, Fast and Furious is the most ridiculous franchise that just needs to embrace that next level. I think you did that well. It's not exactly in the franchise, but as far as that type of movie goes, you jumping from world to world, I agree. I, I thought of that Futurama episode, too, Jordan, because I love that show. And when they go from different world to oh, world, yeah. it, it did seem like yours. That's right. Um, but here's my biggest problem with the movie Inception. None of that movie ever actually is a real dream. The Hell yeah, it ain't. Of, it's the, fucking the late. Whole, Fuck Christopher Nolan. The, the whole point of that movie is, okay, as soon as someone knows it's a dream, they, they, you know, they're gone and we can't incept them. But I think it would be more interesting the way Joe did it by saying we can just go into their dreams and do it and we can make the landscape of the dream as crazy as possible. We don't need to follow those rules. And um, I, I, I thought this movie was the easiest one to pitch because Hell yeah, it, is. it should have been, I don't know what to do with Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh, I can put him in dreams. I don't know what to do with Independence Day. I can throw him in dreams. Joe, I don't know what you're doing over there, but you need to sit your ass down. Um, <laughs> Joe, you lose the game because of that. Live podcast. Yeah, Joe. Hey, okay, Joe's leaving. Let me know, Johnny. Johnny, what's your cash app? Let me, let me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I'll change my ruling. When Joe comes back, I'll be like, oh, I was explaining, Joe, how your movie sucked. <laughs> and actually, but but here's my thing. I mean, Joe Joe's going to celebrate a lot when he comes back. But I, I do think that's with Inception. I think it should have embraced the crazy, and it didn't. And I like Joe for embracing the craziness. So whenever that fucker comes back, he wins. Um, 
Alex, I was actually gonna veto, or I was, I was gonna lobby for you to get the win on your on your debut. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I liked yours, Alex, but I think it would have been a little better if you were just like you could have used your rule a little better somewhere else, and then just been like, I'm gonna use more of a fantastical rule in mind. So Joe's, I was like, all he did was cast different people, but then he actually dove into the. I thought the automatic win for Inception was if you get crazy with the dreams, you win. I think he went a little crazier with his dreams. Yeah. I Even though I don't know if I've ever dreamt about a unicorn flying me away, but like other than that, I, mean, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what Joe dreams. <laughs> yeah. I, I think uh, I, oh, I'll wait. Joe. We'll, we'll wait for him to put his headphones on. Don't worry, Joe. It's not the third period of the Flyers game right now. Okay. <laughs> Joe, here's the thing. Your movie sounds like dumb fun, which Inception's like an actual good movie, but your movie has uh, craziness, and that's what I want in my Inception movie, so I think Joe takes the win on uh, on this episode. Hell yeah. Which I don't want to give it to him because makes his, uh, his uh, record better, but you know what? I got to be fair, and I got to be a firm judge. I mean, no, and we have I, a tie I, record, I, don't I, we? Three to one. No, it's, um, it's now – that was our last pitch. So it's four – no, he means three to one record. Yeah, record's three oh, to one. Your record, yeah, but I beat you, so I don't give a shit about your record. No, our record's three to one, but you have a six. <laughs> you have a six to three victory over me, which yeah. means you're still number one. So our our standings do not change. The aggregate. The aggregate, but I'm excited to. Uh, I will be gone next week. I'll be on vacation, but next week, um, we'll have some new contestants and uh, and people involved. And it, Alex will be making his debut judging. Alex, how was your first time pitching, and are you excited to judge next week? Yeah, you know, I think um, it put it into perspective how hard it can be at times uh, with the pitches, like because you don't want to not change anything about the movie, but you also don't want to make it not that movie at all. Uh, yep. And I just found myself questioning that the entire time. And I think that uh, it's definitely going to help me with thinking through listening to pitches. Uh, when yeah. I'm when I'm judging, being able to kind of put myself in the shoes of the person, you know, knowing where those nine rules are coming from, where they could have, you know, is this the best place where they could have applied it, but, or, you know, things like that. So um, I think as much as I tried to get out of it this week, uh, I'm glad you guys didn't even entertain the idea. No, I, I think you did really well. I, I was honestly impressed with even just like, you had three or four pitches that were pretty long. You wrote out most of the movie. I thought that was very good, and uh, and for like a first time doing it, and wanting and joking, more like more kind of joking about backing out. I was like, yeah. you know, Alex isn't going to change much in some of his movies, but you wrote full pitches, and I and I respected that. I think you did a great job uh, on your first episode, and uh, and you're a solid combatant. I uh, I don't look forward to facing you. We'll say that, and uh, and then before we get to Joe Jordan, uh, did you have fun on your your first episode of Movie Change Up? Yeah, man, I, I absolutely loved this. I thought it was really cool. Uh, from the outset of, of watching you guys and seeing it, I've been lobbying Joe to get on it. Uh, I hope I didn't let you guys down, and I, and I thank you for letting me be a part of it. Uh, Alex, you took it to the last round, and I think that's great for a debut contestant. Um, mm-hmm. I expected more out of Joe being the seasoned veteran, but it just speaks Fuck to how you. good Alex was today. So, Johnny, Joe, Alex, appreciate it. Absolutely. And, Joe, your, your victory today – Say whatever the hell you want to say. 
All right. First of all, I'll say I as nervous as Alex seemed because we I mean, we're all in one group text coming into this week. I fully expected like I was nervous about beating Alex like seven to two, eight to one because I I fully expected to lose my TMNT pitch because I didn't bother because I figured Alex was like going to go fucking like he knew what he was doing with his TMNT pitch. And so I'm like, that's just going to be a terrible show. So I was nervous about winning like seven to two, eight to one. But like Alex proved he was like pretty good at this. And he definitely someone and we've talked before. And uh, like, I think the next time me and Alex might face off, it's going to be all Disney Channel original movies, which I am pretty excited for. And I'll say and I'll say as far as Jordan goes, like I was pretty nervous having him on as a consultant judge. I'm like, oh, how's this going to go? Like, is he going to be pretty bad? But like, I'm, I thought he did. I thought Jordan did like really fucking well. And like, I'm yeah, down I, there, Jordan down I, as a consultant judge, like anytime. So Jordan helped me like on a couple of my arguments against Joe's. I was like, Oh, Jordan said that. And I like that. So I'm going to go with it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, Joe, uh, Jordan, Jordan did a good job, uh, like kind of guiding the arguments and being like, Hey, this is what I liked. Um, and this is what I didn't. So, so I, I thought that was a, it was a really good job. We're still learning obviously everything with this and we haven't really, we've, this is only our second episode with a consulting judge, but I think you did a great job, um, yeah. with it. So we're, we're happy to have you on. So other than that, I mean, everyone please like, and subscribe, you. uh, on our YouTube channel and, uh, please rate us five stars and whatever your favorite podcast app is. And, and uh, if anyone has, uh, I'll, I'll just throw uh, my plug out there. If anyone has any recommendations for people to watch, I know some people aren't working as much right now. So if you're looking for something to watch my favorite thing on TV, that's probably come out in the last 10 years is called, I think you should leave on Netflix with Tim Robinson. It's a sketch show. You can watch the whole first season about two hours. It's maybe the greatest comedy series of all time. I love it to death. So watch. I think you should leave. It's amazing because it will be referenced in future episodes. If everyone watches it, I'm going to, I'm going to pitch movies involving those people. So, so watch that. That's my recommendation for the week. Um, does anyone else have anything to, to recommend or should we sign up? Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say uh, if you haven't seen Booksmart, watch Booksmart because anytime I have to pull teen actors from for a pitch, they're probably oh, either going to be from Stranger Things or Booksmart. So, Booksmart, yeah, big time. Yeah. Booksmart, Booksmart, like people are like, oh, it's like super bad with females. I'm like, you always think like whenever people like compare a movie to another, like, uh, is it going to be that good? It was definitely yeah. suggested. Yeah, it's yeah. my favorite movie of last year. So, and I think I think the the thing with like sometimes I feel like people need to they try to make female driven comedies and they're like okay to make this movie funny we have to make it like gross like it's gross yeah. that women are doing gross things and like bridesmaids that's why I hate that movie booksmart does it's a female driven comedy and it doesn't need to be gross out scenes and the movie is hilarious and hysterical and you could have pitched those roles at anyone and it, and it would have been funny. So like, that's what Hollywood needs more of. You don't need to be like, Oh, it's funny that this woman is fat. It's funny that this woman, you know, shit her pants. Like, you know, just women can be funny. Just like give them funny roles and give them good writing. And that's what Booksmart did. And I, and I love that movie for it. So I agree. Yeah. All right. Jordan, what's your recommendation? Uh, I'm going to go uh, with something that actually uh, stopped about five years ago, but I'm, I'm going through a rewatch of Boardwalk Empire on HBO right now. 
uh, one of my favorite shows out there. It really is. Um, this is my probably, I think it's my third time through. I'm watching it with Amber and uh, she likes it. So it's, I feel like some of the HBO shows I get lost. Like I'll be honest during game of Thrones, I got lost a lot. It, not even just at the end of the seasons, uh, like season seven and eight, but like throughout the whole thing, I kept having to ask characters who are these, I don't get it. I'm confused. Boardwalk Empire. It's pretty easy to follow. Although the last season sucks, but show pretty solid. Well, together. That's, that's a show that and the Sopranos are two shows that I just never watched that I know I'd love, but I just haven't watched. So those are, those yeah. are something to get into. So, um, um, I'm Johnny Dupe signing off. Whoever wants to go next. I'm Joe Fricky, motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm Alex. Jordan Gibson. Wright. Go for oh, it. Yeah. Nope, I already <laughs> we should figure this out before. I the figured episode. we'd do it in the oh, order that the, like, we would yeah, go. Like, oh, I see. Okay. No, it's better when we all say it at once. So no one hears <laughs> I'm it. Joe Fricky. <laughs> <laughs> that way no one gets it. <laughs> um, but yeah, all I got to say is uh, I love crazy shit. Let's all fly away on unicorns. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah. <laughs>